Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. gentlemen welcome if you'd like to gather around have a good listen ensure that you are in a good position to take in the next couple of hours of entertainment and now if the five youngest of you would please leave and lead it to the old ones that have been here for the longest time that's how we're doing things this week hi everyone welcome to the hooked on podcast i'm rob mcnichol <laughs> joining me is my slippery elusive trying to get out of everything colleague mr showbiz paul benson how you doing paul I'm alright Rob, I've not got much of my voice this week My ass, my ass Here's the thing, we're going straight in with this this week folks Three weeks ago, three whole weeks ago uh, Paul Paul Benson um, came up with a challenge for me uh, And a bet with me uh, Which I won And that bet was uh, over the uh, the winner As the Grimsby Town vs Plymouth Argyle FA Cup match Which my team Plymouth Argyle won It meant I could select a song of choice Paul. Anyway, one week we couldn't do a podcast. Admittedly, that was my fault because I was ill. Last week, I struggled through illness to make sure a podcast went out to you lovely people, but he still hadn't prepared his song. This morning, I texted him with some lyrics from the song which he's going to do, and he went, what are you talking about? So I knew, therefore, he hadn't been practicing. So, you're not going to weasel your way out of this. I am going to make you do this um, song. See, so, I've, got, I've got a problem, mate. Like, my son's in bed, and it's you know, really thin walls, and I'm not really sure it's a good idea. Uh, I stayed at your house not a month ago, and I know that your son is in a bedroom which is upstairs around the corner and through two doors, and you're at the foot of your house with a big door and several walls. So that's not true. Because, um, unless you've moved in the last three weeks, which um, I think you may have mentioned. No, 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 I haven't moved. Um, yeah, um, there's, yeah. There's, there's, there's several other reasons why I shouldn't be doing this, you know. Are there? Well, well public health concerns for one. You know, we public health. We could get shut down. Really? I'm a dreadful singer. Do you do you really want me? And I've got so much respect, so much respect for Maven as an athlete, as an entertainer, as a, as a wrestler, as a man. That I really don't want to besmirch the memory of his career by by doing this song on injustice. Liar, um, liar, liar, liar! Because you didn't know what the song you didn't know what the song was when I gave it to you. You couldn't remember it. Uh, so that's not true. Uh, you live in I, I, you live you live in a sleepy village, even by Yorkshire standards. So there's there's no worries about everyone around you. Um, you've got a few feet. I'm not going to lie to you, folks. Paul's done all right for himself. He's got a nice house. It's detached. There's no one really within you know ten yards either side of the house. He's done pretty well. Um, so um, that's not that's not an excuse either. Um, I, I can only think of one valid excuse, which I'm not going to give to you until after you've done it. Um, <laughs> so unless unless there's any more uh, any more reason for. Uh, Let's just get this done. Yes. Let's just get this done. Let's yes. get it done. Now, I will, in all seriousness, preface this by apologising to everybody listening. I am a dreadful singer, as yeah, Rob knows. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah. Terrible, terrible singer. But what I lack in skill, I 
like to think I make up for an enthusiasm. So I've prepared my backing track <laughs> just in case yes. Bob didn't have any mercy for me. And by the way, whoever thought of this song choice, A, bastard, and B, bravo, because it's not even like it's fun to be so bad. It's just, it's just a weird song. Right, it there reminds was... me it takes me so so back listening to it it takes me back to 2001 2002 instantly it's so of its time it's unbelievable I put um, a lot of thought into this okay here's, here's what was going through my mind on one hand you could do let's take one of the great songs you know one of the best songs in WWE history like a uh, like a DX theme or something like that and I thought well no because I want to do a good one because people like good ones and then I was like okay let's do something stupid I think people were expecting me to do something stupid like I don't know like Honky Tonk Man or something like that, where you all, you know, obviously everyone messes around with the old Double J song these days. But I think people thought I was going to give you something like that. Again, you are a bad singer, and if you're going to do a bad song like Honky Tonk Man, you can kind of play up to it by being bad. You're not supposed to be good at that. So I deliberately thought, I had actually had three choices. I put them on my Twitter. They were very, very close, actually. I put them on Twitter, and the three choices I gave everyone were Rob Conway's theme song, Look At Me. <laughs> that sounded a bit like a Randy Newman song. Um, the I'll Be Your Hero Lex Express song. Um, or Maven. And the, uh, it was 32%, 32%, 36%. Wow. So it was close. Um, but Ma- I wanted you to do Lex Luger. But, um, but Maven came out on top. So um, that is the one that got the most votes. Um, uh, are you doing? Are you doing this a cappella? Are you going to? Um, have you got? No. Have you arranged the six-piece orchestra? I, I've got a backing track. I've got a backing track from uh, the orchestra known as YouTube because yes. it just sounds ridiculous. And if you can't carry a tune like I can't, um, you can get away with certain wrestling songs without being able to carry the tune. Shawn Michaels being a great example. This one just does not work uh, yeah. <laughs> unless there's some music behind it. If you cannot sing, yeah, that's so the music enough. is there. The music is there to um, help people understand that it is actually a song and not just me screaming it down the microphone. I've never done this before, you know. Um, okay, no, music I, I, to record. I can I can believe this. Um, uh, I have actually. I sung on the Slam, which I've a show I've mentioned before on this podcast with. Uh, hosted by Jim Smallman of uh, Progress Wrestling fame, and I was a regular guest on it. And um, It was a bit of a punishment of when I couldn't make it into the studio and I only appeared on the Skype wall, um, and Jim would make me sing. Um, and so I, over the, I remember doing... I did do the Double J theme, actually. I did Shawn Michaels as well. I definitely did another one. I can try to remember what it was. And no less, a, no less an authority than Jimmy Havoc said I had the voice of an angel. Oh dear, um, but I think he might have been taking the piss. Right, um, well let's let's get the other other shoulder sorted tonight, then, shall we? Let's get it done. Let's just do it. Okay. Enough rambling. I will Let I, get my it, backing track ready. I will introduce you. Okay, so yeah, you get everything ready, and I will be uh, be introduced. So, ladies and gentlemen of the Hooked On Universe, um, please will you welcome to entertain us this evening, Mister Showbiz Paul Abens. <laughs> oh god nice long intro here we go I can't see my fantasy I'm so consumed in bed what I see takes over me I'm blind beyond repair 
It takes a hold of me so tight, a breath that does not give. And when she's done, she throws me out like junk left in the shelf. Yeah, I wanna have the right. I wanna feel the night around the stars. I wanna take a flight, get back on my sights around the stars. I'm I'm willing to let you um to let you break there. I've not I'm not practiced all this time for nothing, Rob. Oh 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 oh, oh okay. You carry on if you want to carry on. I can see all my words. I can feel the warming breeze. I can see through the forests, I can hear her breathe Walking for a thousand miles, I can see the road And at the end I find I'm with her, sharing each his soul Yeah, I wanna have the right I wanna feel the night Around the stars Wanna take a flight Get back on my sights Around the stars Bloody hell Ladies and gentlemen I've been Paul Benson Good night and we'd like to thank you to, for you to listening to this podcast over the years. Unfortunately, this is the last episode. Um, because, quite frankly, nothing can follow that. Um, uh, that, was with, that was with practice, folks. Um, <laughs> was, so it imagine, bad, was it as bad as it felt? Do you know what? It started off sort of all right. Um, it, was, it was a sort of um, pseudo-Springsteen, slightly constipated sound. Um, and I actually thought for about three lines, oh, actually, he's not bad here. And then it's like you'd forgotten to breathe. And then gradually you started to flap. They always say, don't they, if you if you start to go underwater, the last thing you should do is move around a lot because then you've got to fill your lungs up quickly and you fill it up with water. So what you should do is just try and stay as still as possible and float your way back to the top. You, you weren't really listening to that. You were flailing. You were flailing <laughs> well, early. Well, I am, like I said earlier, I will, I, I, I'm not uh, under any illusions about my singing ability. My wife uh, would back me up on that. It's just absolutely dreadful. I haven't studied the lyrics of that song, but at one point I thought you said something about putting chocolate in the shed. I don't think that's right. But what, what was that line? Um, it was like at the end of the verse, I think, before the chorus kicked in. I thought you said putting chocolate in the shed throws me out like a junk left in a shelf. How can you put something in a shelf? <laughs> oh, I imagine that's on. I imagine that's... No, no, it's definitely in. I listened to it. Okay. Well, it sounded like chocolate in the shed. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's um, it's one of the odder uh, openings. It reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, Eric Bischoff sat in the middle of the ring with his guitar. Um, <laughs> at, least, at least you remember it um, and people will be talking about it in, uh, in many years to come. Uh, woo, uh, so that was uh, that was different. Um, what I will say, it is that um, you at any point, uh, I think you can reserve the right at any point to try and uh, call me on this and try and you know get get your own back on me. And you can you, I don't mind you setting another bet. You can't I just make me sing a song, but you can you can you can suggest another bet at some point. I'm more than happy to go double or quits on this and and take you on again. 
but it's uh, if it comes up at the right point. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll hold you to that. What I should have said was I should have bet you on the uh, the answers to the sheep quiz, the next uh, version of the sheep quiz. But um, <laughs> but but we've both already done that, and obviously we don't know each other's answers. I don't know any of the answers, but we have already submitted. So I'm not going to do that just in case I get myself. To be honest, actually I haven't. I don't feel like I can, in good faith, submit answers. Um, because I'm setting the questions and I see all the other answers, so. Oh, okay. Um, well, should, or maybe there should have been a points level, and if I got above that points level, then. <laughs> so, but uh, it's too too late. I've I've entered now, so too late. You've um, entered. You've entered, and let's see how you do this time, mate. Eh? Uh, we've already got. We've been. What well, it's been live? What two days? Less than two days? A day and a half? That's what we're speaking. Already, yes. We've already enough. matched the same amount of entries as we got for last time. Ah, terrific! Oh, we're breaking records all over the place this week. Yeah, um, no, we're, we're we're doing well. It's, it's obviously. Uh, picking up people liked it last time and obviously they're picking up on it now so it'd be great if we can get another sort of 10 more or so um, and then we can crack on with a real big one if you are wondering what we're talking about folks the sheep quiz we will talk about it a little bit later in the podcast uh, but we've been talking about it for the last few weeks on here uh, it's our new uh, social media game it's mainly on our Facebook page um, you can join in uh, in various different ways essentially 10 hypothetical questions who would you prefer to do this what would be the best of that um, and you select your answer that you think would be the most popular and if you score the most points in the quiz uh, we'll find you a nice little prize or some such thing um, and I won the last one oh, I, I was a co-winner I should say uh, and so I'm looking to uh, sort of defend that this month um, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show because we've got some uh, some more pressing things to get to and uh, what we'll also talk about is uh, getting ourselves really on the uh, on the road to the road to WrestleMania, yes, it's the slip road to WrestleMania as we go towards uh, the Royal Rumble. Um, tickets are on sale for our Royal Rumble parties. I think we're doing about 17 million of them. Um, we'll go through um, <laughs> at least uh, a few of those cities later on. Uh, and I, I believe it was a little teaser. Um, already you've said you've uh, had more entries on the Sheep Quiz than we did last month. I believe we've already had some pretty mega ticket sales in the first four or five days, at least in London, Paul. Yeah, time. yeah, amazing. So, um, just a brief all, one now. We'll do a full plugging later. Yeah, no, all the t- all the tables have gone in London. All the tables, all the private booths gone within 48 hours of going on sale. Every single one. Um, and we've also, admittedly, it's quite a low bar because it wasn't a huge success. But we've already got more people with tickets than we had in the building for Survivor Series on Sunday. So incredible. What you have proven, uh, hooked on audience, um, is that you don't like free stuff. Um, so <laughs> we did, yeah. we gave out some free things and we didn't have the biggest take up in the world. So uh, we it's should go true. Back, we'll go back it's to char- we'll go back to charging you um, a fair rate, <laughs> um, and uh, and you seem to love it. So that's uh, thank you for that. We appreciate that. That's you're you're, you're much <laughs> better off, you're much better off paying for quality. I always say. So um, I think what they may have actually been saying is they're not interested in staying up until four in the morning to watch and, and coming out of their houses to watch Survivor Series. That might be a more fair assessment. Well, here's the thing. We sat here last week and said. It was as stacked a lineup that we could ever think of for Survivor Series. If we'd have had that card five or six weeks out, how many tickets would we have sold, etc., etc., etc.? Anyway, let's put to one side our hooked on parties. Like I said, we will be back to talk about that a wee bit later on in the show, certainly as we uh, start to get ourselves excited for the Royal Rumble. Um, but we should talk about the pay per view itself. Um, you were in the Grand in Clapham uh, which is our new London, London venue for all of our pay-per-view parties that's where we'll be again for the Royal Rumble it's where we were for SummerSlam uh, and it's where we were for Survivor Series so that's where you were uh, I couldn't make it um, I watched Survivor Series the 
the following evening, Monday evening, but I was completely spoiler free. I'd done a good job on the Monday, not looked at anything um, that was a giveaway, so I watched it completely fresh. I actually watched that and then immediately watched the uh, the takeover straight afterwards. So um, I, we'll I took about that. I, well, I took I took it all in. So we can talk about takeover uh, in due course. But um, here's the overview. Then it's the summary. You bump into someone in the pub on Tuesday and they go, "All right, Paul, um, what was Survivor Series like? I'm not going to watch it, but tell me what it was like." I'd say it was pretty damn good. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was, there was a couple of standout matches. Um, a lot of it in a vacuum it, it makes not hiding the hairs a difference but I thought for me it was a big thumbs up okay uh, how did it go down in the room was that the um, was that the general feeling did you get a sense of yeah I uh, think it's, people... it's often sorry to interrupt there mate no, I just sorry. think it's quite hard to gauge in our parties because people are in a good mood and they kind of go gaga for everything really it has to be the only really sour atmosphere I can remember in, a, in our event is when Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble in Philly um, other than that I think people have been pretty pretty willing to get to get sort of wrapped up in the atmosphere um, and with, to that end I think people really enjoyed it especially the um, the you know, marky bits if you don't mind me saying so I mean that with the greatest respect but you know AJ Styles and New Day versus Shield and all that sort of stuff went down really well cool okay I've often got a theory that because um, you know, perhaps the, the world is often slightly more negative than you and I hence one of our um, explicit statements of Hooked On being it's wrestling enjoy it that's what we intend to try and do um, but I often notice if I uh, watch a pay-per-view live at one of our events that I uh, enjoy it immensely and then when I go back later on and read some, a lot of the comments it's often a lot more you know negative than, than I'd anticipated mm. people would be I will you know say that and I'm, I'm putting that in as a bit of a preface because I actually I, did, I didn't like this pay-per-view nearly as much as you did um, so is it because I watched it on my own on Monday evening with a, with a cup of tea um, rather than having watched it in a great venue with a bunch of people around or did I just simply not take in the pay-per-view um, in, in the same regard as you? It's ever, ever so difficult to tell. You'll never be able to um, uh, to go back and uh, uh, and see the same thing twice in, in different uh, you know experiment conditions. But um, it just didn't quite grip me. Um, but then there is also the possibility, of course, that maybe expectations were too high. Sometimes you can simply just want something so much it cannot possibly live up to expectations. Maybe that was a bit of a suffrage as well I think um, frankly I was in the minority on this one reading reading everything about the event post the event I think there, it's mixed definitely but I think the, the, the majority opinion is that it wasn't a great pay-per-view um, so maybe it's something to do with the atmosphere maybe I, I often sort of give WWE the benefit of the doubt I feel like I'm more of a hardcore fan of what WWE have to offer a lot of the time this wasn't perfect but I think like for the for instance, the main event got absolutely shat on um, especially the finish and I, I think I'm the only one I don't, I don't mean to blow my, blow my own trumpet but I immediately got what they were going for with the finish and it seemed like nobody else have read on or talked to about it since did and I just think well how did you not it was clearly obvious and well done but there you go oddly oddly split opinion on this one I think um, an issue I've typically talked about um, when it comes to pay-per-views especially when it's when judging pay-per-views by the main event um, I think it depends what equity has been built up beforehand on the show so I find Absolutely. that sometimes sometimes you have 
a really really great show and a bad main event and people go oh a terrible show and I think well you're being harsh because um, I look at it this way um, we often do little football analogies on this show and I know um, to my own experience watching my team of late is that we just recently had a little six game unbeaten run having had a terrible start to the season um, and it built up a little bit of um, equity having you know, gone six unbeaten and then we lost one game and I think to a harsh sending off early in the game which didn't help and then immediately there seemed to be a real backlash of oh that was terrible blah 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 and I sort of think well did we not build any equity up for six games Does it, do we not deserve a little bit of slack for losing just one um, and I find that happens sometimes it can be it takes a lot of good you know to build up for people to be happy with yes. something but it only takes one bad thing to ruin it all um, and so I find some, sometimes people are a bit like that I will also say that sometimes I think you can have a bit of a not a bland um, pay-per-view but a kind of an okay up to expectations pay-per-view which is kind of built and built and then you're kind of living and dying on the main event and that to me is what I got out of SummerSlam I hated the main event I thought it was terrible I really did I really didn't like it there was lots of little bits in the first 10-15 minutes I didn't mind generally speaking I hated the main event um, but I'll come back to that but I didn't hate the rest of the pay-per-view in fact I, I largely enjoyed the pay-per-view I was probably at a sort of Six and a half, seven, maybe seven and a half out of ten for the um, for the rest of it. I was quite enjoying it, um, but, but I didn't enjoy it so much. There wasn't one, two, three matches where I went, bloody hell, that was good. Pretty much all of them, I went, that's pretty good, that. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Oh, that was good, yeah. But it didn't overawe me. I needed a good main event to make it solid, and I didn't think I got one, and I ended up coming away disappointed. And so I'll, I'll just throw another question at you. Um... It's asking two questions at once in a way because I'm asking what you thought of, of Brock versus AJ. But do you think I might have felt differently, and some other people may have felt differently, if exactly the same things that have happened, but Brock and AJ went on last? I think that's an absolutely stellar point, mate. Yes, I do, um, because Brock and AJ were worked so well together. I really, really enjoyed that match. Um, I'd say it was the one match of the card that exceeded even my expectations. Um, and yet, long answer to a very short and simple question, maybe. But yeah, I do. I think if you'd have flipped that match order around and put that five on five match a little bit earlier, um, you wouldn't have even need to change the um, sort of like climax. But you could still have had it three on three, three Raw versus three SmackDown in terms of results going exactly. into the final match, um, and it, you would have had the same outcome. So yeah, mate, I think you're absolutely. I think you're dead on the money there. I think it was. The, um, I'm trying to work out. So it was. It was what, what? What was the order? So Shield won. So it was one nil. It was two nil to Raw, wasn't it? Two nil to Raw. The second were... Raw win was the women's match. It was Asuka yeah. being the survivor, and then SmackDown and came back and won one. It was was that mid Corbin. Corbin. It was Corbin, and then yeah. then the tag match. So I I think it was when the tag match went in. When the Usos won, um, and they flashed up the graphic two two. Um, it was a moment where I wished I wasn't such a smart ass, because as soon as I saw that two-two, I just went, "Oh, this is going three I hadn't really thought, "Oh, this is definitely going to go three-three, and it's going to be a decider." But once that two-two came up, I went, "Oh, well, Charlotte's definitely going to win." I was all, I was fairly certain Charlotte was going to win. The, the combination of AJ winning and Alexa winning didn't seem plausible to me, so I thought. Well, I know Charlotte's going to win, and I know Brock's going to win, and so it kind of it kind of killed that to me, because I was so certain about those two matches from that point, 
I lost my intrigue of the next two because once, as soon as they were starting to go, oh, it's two-two, they were clearly going to go three-three. So you had the rubber match. I don't so, think that makes a difference in the in the situation you're talking about because of the two matches there, they were far and away the most obvious um, on the pay-per-view. I I actually called all seven on the predictions contest that I do and I got all seven right which is a miracle for me um, but those two were like you know I'd have bet the house on um, Brock AJ Brock going over maybe not Charlotte but it was if I had to pick a second um, banker after the after the t- universal title match that probably would have been it oh, I always felt I always felt Shield was the number one choice of all night there was no way they were going to beat the Shield on the uh, first pay-per-view in but um, I don't know I just there was some maybe I've maybe I've slightly misremembered it. Maybe it was even before the Corbin match, but there was or before the Usos match, sorry. But there was certainly something in there where I went, Oh, but this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen. And it sort of brought the house of cards down and I sort of lost that I would have rather than not even talked about the um the score. Yeah, a couple um, of guys in the bar said that as well. And again I just take the opposite view. Like I know we know it's WWE, we know it's contrived. Um, and it was always going to be whether they played up the score or not it was always going to be you know an artificially sort of drawn um, situation going into the final match I actually liked the fact that they brought those scores up because it gave what were ultimately quite meaningless matches at least a semblance of meaning they might not have might not have really mattered in the grand scheme of things but at least they made an effort and it had something to hang the night on Um, but you're right it was most of the matches were well very obvious going in um, like I said I, I picked them all and that, that never ever happened so it didn't didn't really diminish the night for me because it felt like it felt non-canon the whole thing felt like just a non-canon showcase for WWE just dream I said it last week on a podcast it felt like putting a card together on WWE 2K18 um, and taken in that context I thought it was good but you know obviously like people generally and I'll include myself in this put a lot of stock in there being storylines and, and feuds built up going into a pay-per-view and then consequences coming out um, and that we really didn't have that for Survivor Series at all and I, that is a completely valid criticism but one that didn't bother me in, in this case Ladies and gentlemen will you please welcome to the stage your headline act for this afternoon's festival non-canon surprise what, what was it you said non-canon I can't remember what you said. You said non-canon something. It, it sounded like an Irish band to me. <laughs> okay, um, then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I ruined that by forgetting exactly what you said. But um, uh, going back to... I do, I do take your point now. I, I understand that it felt slightly... When you say non-canon, you mean a little bit like a, a slightly different episode of something, don't you? That it was, didn't it was in isolation. It was, a, it was a bit of a Christmas special. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. exactly it. Like Buffy, all those, I wasn't a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, but I know plenty of our listeners were. Um, they very famously once did a, a standalone musical episode. They did. It was just was, there. Once, it was called Once More with Feeling. That's the one. And it had no rhyme or reason to be there, but it was very well received. And I, I contend that you should judge this pay-per-view through the same lens. Yes, I was thinking um, about the... Uh, the Indomitable Bride um, episode of uh, Sherlock, which was yeah, um, yes, which had yes. which had some clues towards um, uh, the next episode. But if you missed it, it wasn't the end of the world. I think there that's the, uh, uh, that's how I would uh, how I would put that. Um, going back to sort of the nuts and bolts of the pay per view, um, there was a little thing that I would have liked to have seen, which was um, if you look at the whole thing, apart from flashing the graphic up, and apart from the gear they were wearing, occasionally being red or blue, there was no real 
thread of the rest of the pay-per-view being Raw v SmackDown. There was, it was, it was dressing, but it wasn't the actual um, sort of meat and potatoes of the of the, um, the the show. I would have loved to have seen just little touches. Like again, I mentioned last week on the podcast that I'm a big fan of the Ryder Cup. I'm a big golf fan anyway, but I'm a particularly big fan of the Ryder Cup. And one of the reasons I'm interested in the Ryder Cup is that a lot of non-golf fans, it's the only thing they watch. Now, you're, you're a big American football guy, and you'll know as much as anyone that no one ever talks about American football until the end of January, and then they watch the, they watch the Super Bowl and they think they know what they're talking about. Uh, yeah. And it's the same with... I bet there's people right now watching the Ashes, never watch cricket. You know, there'll be people that, um, that don't back a horse all year until the Grand National. There's people that, when the Olympics comes along, suddenly they know about you know, skeet shooting and gymnastics. And there's a little bit of all of that about, a little bit about, about wrestling as well when it comes to something like, you know, WrestleMania or the Rumble. But um, in uh, golf, I think if there is one event for that with, with golf, it's the Ryder Cup. And for those that aren't familiar, what it basically is, it's Europe versus the America, Europe versus USA, 12 v 12. And for a couple of days, they have some pairs competitions against one another and on the Sunday it's all it's 12 singles and it's all points accumulated and the team with the most points wins but it's it's unusual in golf because you're so used to the individual um, aspects of the sport to have them in pairs and have them in teams it's kind of different and the players enjoy it that much more and it's a totally different environment and I thought it was a little bit like that with this this show in the sense that you're not really used to them you know pairing up but that's been a survivor series trait for years that you see people you know on each other's side and you know um cheering one another on and I, I quite like that aspect I really thought they could have done a lot more with it I thought they could have had people winning for Smackdown and going back through the curtain into the Smackdown locker room and all the guys clapping them and hugging them high-fiving them and even better sometimes with the Ryder Cup what will happen is so they go out in a certain order and say you know I don't know Sergio Garcia goes out first for Europe and he wins he'll quite often sign his card have a quick shower or do whatever and go back out onto the course to support everyone else. So you'll get to a green and you'll see, I don't know, Rory McIlroy putting and they'll cut to the side and there'll be two or three European players cheering him on and clapping and, and there's also some sort of coaches and stuff as well. I'd have loved to have seen wrestlers that had taken part during the night or people that weren't on the card just sitting around at ringside, just coming to ringside and just being in other people's corners. It'd have been such a nice touch if you'd have had, say, so what did you have, Alexa versus Charlotte, that maybe Charlotte had... Um, name me a couple of Smackdown Charlotte had Naomi and someone else in her corner and Alexa had had Alicia Fox and you know I don't know do you know what I'm saying it might have been yeah, nice if there I, was get just a, I get it a bit, more, not, a bit more sort of depth but also not to interfere you know not to take yeah. away from the match but just to, as this to say we're cheering for you and one of my favourite memories of it as a kid was I used to do it quite a bit was that when you had the big babyface title win the babyface locker room would empty and they'd all come and cheer. Remember the WrestleMania 10 when they were all in the ring with Bret? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you'd, ha- you'd have those sort of things. And it happened in lots of other wrestling promotions. You see, like, I think, you know, Kerry Von Erich or whatever winning the NWA title. And there was the big... Everyone came out to celebrate. And I'd have sort of liked to have seen that. But because the ending was about Triple H, it stopped being about Raw. It didn't matter that Triple H was on Raw. It had no consequence whatsoever that there was a brand supremacy. Because... A, the guy doesn't have a brand. B, he hurt his own brand, then hurt the other brand, then won. And you sort of think, well, what was the point of all that then? And it was a bit like, you know, a new, when it comes to the World Cup final, a neutral player playing for Brazil 
and then scoring an own goal, and then scoring the winning goal. Well, and you well, think, well who, who's, who's this? Who's this for? Apart from him. Let me tackle that in two parts. First of all, um, you're absolutely right about um, Triple H having um, having no brand and it being silly that he was even on there in the first place, really. Yes, he's the CEO of the company. Him and Cena really were just counterbalances of each other, weren't they? I'll get, um, to, I'll get to Cena. Yeah, pointless appearance. But anyway, what I will take this opportunity to do is now talk about the finish and how you talk about an own goal quite clearly the idea was to take Shane off his guard it was the the example I think they mentioned it on commentary but maybe I'm making this up he, he was playing chess and he sacrificed his queen to take down the king that's what he did he put his he, he took out angle to make Shane think he was on side with him Shane took his guard down and bam pedigree admittedly you wouldn't have wanted those Shane and Triple H being the two players involved were ridiculous but the concept itself was really quite good I quite liked it it was he literally without Angle knowing he went into business for himself but he did it smartly he took him out um, wasn't without any rhyme or reason he didn't just do it for the sake of it or because he didn't like him he did it for a very strategic reason and it worked I'll give you that to an extent there's no extent that's there is the ex- finish they were going no, th- for and it worked no there is an extent the extent is flip over ignore ignore the personalities for the time being in terms of Shane being the brother-in-law and all that kind yep. of thing flip them over and have Shane on Triple H's team and have Braun Strowman in the other side now Triple H has got to think how the hell are we going to beat this Strowman guy we can't beat him we're going to have to trick him so I'll I'll kick Kurt and then I'll go and beat Pally with Strowman and then when Strowman's guy's down I'll kill him and then that's me one hooray I've outwitted Strowman that I would give you but it should not take a bit of trickery for Triple H and Kurt Angle and Braun fucking Strowman <laughs> to beat Shane McMahon no it shouldn't Triple and H I'll, should go Braun kill him I'll, I will give you that completely Shane McMahon his character is unbeatable almost isn't he and that is that is a wider problem and absolutely ridiculous Shane McMahon is pushed as probably the second or third or maybe fourth strongest guy in the WWE it's it's ridiculous but it is what it is now using what you said earlier about using Braun to kill him one of my favourite spots of the whole night was Shane starting off Braun starting off Braun just casually tossing him and that look on Shane's face where he suddenly just went oh yeah. shit what have I got myself into here yeah it I did like really, that I like it that. really got Braun over and like you know me I, I'm a broken record when it comes to Braun Strowman I love the guy <coughs> and they did such a good job of furthering him again again like you know the, the booking's been patchy this year but their booking of Braun Strowman has been faultless yeah I will um, I will confess I'm a convert <laughs> hey. well, well, well no I'm, I still don't think he's particularly good but I'm saying that they have booked him so well he's good at what he needs to do he is good at what he needs to do and in his context in an era where I find fans to be incredibly tetchy and booing anything they love the guy they love him because he's different and he's pushed not to look like an idiot mark Uh, my words inside 18 months they would have tired of him and when it comes to Wrestlemania 35 he will be the silly dancing um, tag team with um, Enzo, right? They'll, they'll have got. You mate, you've been saying this for months. You would have thought this was the case by now. No, not by now. But eventually, eventually, he's going to become Vladimir Kozlov because they all do. Rusev's not far away from it. 
Um, yeah, but Rusev, Rusev is a performer that can get away with that. Rusev can be funny. But um, Rusev is miles, a miles more talented performer than Braun Strowman is. He is. But, but, but Braun Strowman has got what he needs to do. He's got all the tools he needs to be to be in that role. I'd contend he's much, much better than Undertaker was at that stage of Undertaker's career. He's much, much better than the, any other big man you can name outside probably Vader at that stage of their career. Remember, he's only been wrestling for about three years. He is absolutely fantastic in that role he will not obviously the booking could change I don't want to end up with egg on my face but I don't envisage any other any other path other than he becomes a bona fide main event star he is protected to a degree we haven't seen in anyone since Roman Reigns and before that since John Cena he is clearly the man agreed again to a point your issue is with Undertaker, your old school Undertaker, there's a reason Undertaker was never the champ. Because even, even well not never, but rarely. Because even back then, your main event had to count for something. Yeah. And, and if you can't hurt Taker, then, you know, then it's just become strange. That, hence the, you know, the cacophony of, not cacophony, that's not the right word, but the, just this, this, this line of, you know, weirdos and you know, villains and super villains that, you know, he had to face over the years. That's why it was a long stretch of Kamala and Giant yep. Gonzalez and Yokozuna and King Kong Bundy and whatever. I agree. Um, and so at some point they're gonna have to put the title on Strowman or they're gonna have to make him the man. And then they're not going to be able to have very good matches. It's the Goldberg scenario. It's all very fun watching Goldberg do the streak and batter people and get to the top. But once he gets to the top, now what do you do? Because Goldberg can't have 15-minute great matches with Kevin Nash and, and Hulk Hogan and, and old Randy Savage and Ric Flair. He couldn't do it. And so it became a problem. And it will become a problem again because at some point they're going to have... Strowman can have a sort of six or seven-minute badass match here and there with a, with a, a Reigns or a, a, a Brock. But you can't keep on doing that. And at some point, they're either going to have to give him a long title reign to make it believable, and then the match is going to get boring, or they're going to have to have him win it quickly and then someone do him quickly, and then he has to fall back down the pecking order. He can't be the top man with the, with the belt because there's just not he can't have good matches. You need him. To, you need the top man to be able to have good matches all the time. And well, it's can't. my it's my turn to agree with you to a point. Um, I I totally understand what you're saying, but I would you know he's had very good matches with Roman Reigns he's had good matches with Samoa Joe he's had an okay match with Brock Lesnar like you know the most successful period in wrestling history arguably was when Hulk Hogan was on top and no one was calling him having classics and I know times have changed um but I would say that you can't compare you can't compare you're right I'm being slightly unfair very unfair but um, and I also don't agree with you that he should be a perennial champ. You, we, the fact that we are in an era where there's so much content and guys have to be exposed so much is a problem because he ideally he would be in that featured Undertaker role where he conquers the bad guys and conquers the villain of the week and occasionally when he needs to go up into title contention and hopefully they can find a way to do that um, and just put the belt on him every now and then when they need to shake things up. I'd like to see a, a situation where he's not around all the time. No, I'm not talking in a Brock Lesnar sense where he um, 
just appears for pay-per-views but it'd be great if like Strowman could just disappear for three yeah. months mm-hmm. and then he comes back as a rampaging monster mm-hmm. the pop would be insane I don't think it's ready for that yet maybe give it a year until he does start to lose his luster a bit and then just disappear him for six months um, I, do, I would do that with so many people I would know, I, I think it would be yeah. so handy to have to have an that off-season. sort of have yeah. a, rolling, well, yeah. a rolling off-season I think every guy uh, uh, should be given maybe let's say a three-month chunk and a one-month chunk off, as standard every year, it would help everybody. I so, I so agree with I so agree with that, because it would keep them fresh, it would keep them healthy, uh, it would be fairer on them, you know, to to see their families and to um, to heal up. And oh my God, yes. I mean, obviously, your problem comes is that no one's going to want to take the three months off at WrestleMania. Um, well, you don't. That's fine. You have, say, uh, a period between the Rumble and WrestleMania where you have an amnesty on that. That's fine. Yeah. And probably right. But then they can go off, like you say, they can go off and see the families or they can go and make a movie, then go and do outside projects. Like, you can imagine what would Xavier Woods do with three months offerings? Is he go and build his YouTube channel uh, and make success of that? And all the while, the, the absence makes the heart grow fonder, especially in modern WWE where really there's no... The only way of getting uh, good backing is by being not on TV. Like, look at Lesnar, look at Goldberg, look at John Cena. The examples are numerous. If you're on TV for long enough, you're going to lose your luster. Um, And that's more so the case now than ever before. So the best way to keep a guy over is just make them bugger off. Just make them go away. Um, that's, that's, That's how it's done. You know, even if they have to pop up in NXT occasionally to to do something there, just make them cycle them out of the program. Right, yeah, so right. And just touching briefly back on Strowman, I think if you look at Strowman, if he'd have been bought, I mean, what what, is, what what's he sort of middle thirties? Yeah, thirty-six. Uh, uh, I think. So, um, so therefore he was born in sort of the early eighties. If he'd have been, if Braun Strowman had been born in nineteen fifty, he'd have been the biggest star in the wrestling industry in the nineteen eighties. Yep, agreed. W- without a shadow of a doubt, because he's more charismatic and more scary looking and a better wrestler and a better talker than Andre the Giant yep he is better at every facet of the wrestling industry than Andre the Giant I agree and and Andre the Giant was legitimately one of the two or three biggest stars in the industry and Andre in the the territory he was was unquestionably the biggest star in his day without 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 compare okay well if we let's say that but the only reason he was was because it was a territory era. And Andre could rock up into whichever territory, work there for three months, and then bugger off to another one. When someone else had never seen him, and they would go, bloody hell, look at the size of that guy. But after you get over the size of him, then after a while, okay, here's the big big guy that can't really move very well. And you build up to a main event, and you put over the local hero, and off you go to another territory to do the same thing all over again. And there was a whole bunch of them that did it. Abdullah the Butcher is a classic example. Abdullah the Butcher could hardly walk. Yeah, but he yeah. Was, but he was still selling tickets into his 50s because it was this attraction that you could just go on doing. And if there were 25 viable um, promotions in the country, and if you did every one for two months, you could do six a year, you still wouldn't get around to the other one for another four years. Yeah. You know, obviously you come go to some of the bigger ones a bit more often. So you just you'd have a twenty year career and you'd only have to turn up in territories about four or five times. You're absolutely what a, right. What a life that is. But now you have to be on T V fifty three times a year, more than that. You know, fifty, sixty times a year including pay per views. And it's it's too much. It's too much to 
to sustain the interest and to you know to to be able to you know you can get if you're AJ Styles you can get around it because you can just have great matches every night and if you're Steve Austin you can get around it because you can just be bloody stone cold every night but you know people like Strowman need to a few more you know um you know bells and whistles just to kind of you know hide things and that is where I think eventually people are just I don't think WWE I think the fans will get sick of him first I don't think WWE will Vince will love having the big guy that he can have destroy but eventually the fans are going to go we just are, we're just fed up of this guy thanks very much for coming and we enjoyed it for a wee bit but now no I'm sorry we're fed up of this now um, and that's what they'll do and eventually he'll he'll, he'll end up being some sort of comedy figure um, because that's what they always do with big guys he'll be dancing and wearing tie-dye or some such thing because it's what they did after they couldn't get Kurgan over. Um, but anyway, let's talk about that in the future because we've, we've been over that as well before. But um, I would have, you know, I'm going back to the, the finish of the main event. Um, I didn't mind the fact that they set up him in that manner. At least he beat up Triple H and, you know, he can be the, you know, how are they going to beat him? You know, if he's a big baby face star, you know, I, I think suddenly, you know, because they can get to other matches in other ways, I think suddenly. Strowman's a bit of a, a favourite for the Rumble. You know, I know we said. agree. I know we've said that before, but he now positions himself as a bit of a favourite for the Rumble, and the, or, or but it can go one of two ways. The story goes that the Authority have got to find a way to stop him winning the Rumble, and so if they do, they either stop him from winning it, and therefore he gets an Authority type of match at Mania. So you get Triple H versus Strowman, or you get Triple H's appointed dog's body Samoa Joe maybe versus Strowman you get that sort of Wrestlemania match or he wins and he gets a title shot now obviously if he wins on Raw and gets a title shot against the Raw champion and that's that's still Brock that rather knackers the what apparently seems to be the obvious Roman Reigns you know is, is in the main event of beating Brock Lesnar at Wrestlemania so it, we're obviously a long way off from that but I think you have to start looking at Strowman in that sort of you know Austin kind of position I, of the the authority have got to stop him somehow and I'll give you my little scenario that I'd like to see because and this is all built upon the fact that they cannot and will not let Roman Reigns win the world uh, win the Royal Rumble in Philadelphia again I it agree. would just be disastrous so, is it in Philly again yeah it is it is oh, okay. so my, my thought is we get um, Strowman against Triple H at the Rumble um, you know in, in and Strowman just flattens him like a pancake um, ultimately, that leads to Triple H versus Angle somehow at WrestleMania. Gets into the Royal Rumble. You know, we're getting to number, get to the business end of it. Maybe even number 30. You've got a few guys left in. One of them being Roman Reigns. Out comes the unannounced Braun Strowman. Destroys everybody. Lobs Roman Reigns symbolically over the top rope. Wins the Royal Rumble. Same pay-per-view. You got the title match on SmackDown of AJ Styles against Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens beats AJ Styles through shenanigans of some way Sami Zayn getting involved the next sorry two nights later on Smackdown he's gloating about beating AJ and then Shane or Daniel Bryan says and here's your title match for Wrestlemania Braun <coughs> excuse me Braun, Braun comes out that's your title match for Wrestlemania on Smackdown and then you've got the Elimination Chamber for Raw which Roman Reigns does win and goes on to face Brock Lesnar so you're going off the basis that they'll just say bollocks it doesn't matter what brand you're on they'll just ignore the ignore the brand I'm giving him the Batista yeah yeah I think they will absolutely and I'm giving the um, I'm giving it the Batista method where it's made 
you could choose and also what they did with Batista once he won the title at Wrestlemania that year they moved him to Smackdown so they moved him to the lesser brand to give him more room to breathe and I think they might do the same with Braun because he'll always be in their eyes the number two face behind Roman Reigns on Raw and on Smackdown he can go as far as he wants to go so I would see I think that scenario works out well all around again predicated on the fact that I assume they're not going to deviate from Roman Reigns kick out the F5 and beating Brock Lesnar at Wrestlemania that's clearly the plan I don't think they're going to deviate from that and also work on the basis they're not going to have Reigns in the Rumble take those two as gospel and I think my scenario makes a lot of sense all right, we weren't we weren't going to get on to who wins the rumble quite this early, but since we're, <laughs> since we're talking about it, right? And I don't. Sometimes I think pipe dream. Never, never going to do this. This is WWE. Don't forget. But I, I agree with you. I didn't. I didn't know the Royal Rumble was in Philadelphia. My God, what brass neck that would be to have uh, yeah. Reigns win it there again. But um, assuming that he doesn't, and I, I think you know Reigns is going to get to that. Um, uh, that WrestleMania title match, I'm I'm certain of it. Um, but so if we book that in in whatever manner, and we therefore there is a very fair chance that the um, uh, the Survivor Series, the Survivor Series, that the Royal Rumble is won by a SmackDown guy. Is there a chance? Because I do like the match at WrestleMania. Is there a chance that Shinsuke Nakamura can win the Royal Rumble? No. Why? I just don't think they see him in that way. I think there's every chance that he could face AJ Styles at WrestleMania, but I think that would be seen as a as a mid card match. I just don't ah, think. I'll, I'll stop him. you there. I'll stop you there. It would be a mid card match. Well, still, I don't think they'll. I don't think they see Shinsuke Nakamura. And I, I'd like to think I'm wrong, um, but you know, based on what we've seen of him since he debuted, really. I just don't think he's he's that guy. And to be honest, that could change because at one point AJ Styles wasn't that guy either, and clearly that is no longer the case. Um, on the other hand, Finn Balor was the guy, and now he's not. So you know, opinions change, but I just don't think that they see that. And to be fair, what has Nakamura showed them that that would give them that impression? He's, he's no. Ever since coming to NXT and that after that match with Sami Zayn, it's what's he done after that? There's been no, impressive. I, I, I agree, I agree, but I, I would also say I don't think he's had the opponents. But um, mm. well, okay, well, I'll tell you what he's done impressive. He had a bloody great match on SmackDown with Cena. Um, yes, he, so, he had you know, a very good match. Yeah. Give him the position and give him the time and give him the opponent. Um, he can do it. And you know, I loved. We'll get. I come. Come. I promise everyone we're going to get back to Survivor Series, but one of the things I did like was some of the little face-offs that they did almost yes. like they were te- testing the water yes, and so I, I wouldn't it. I would think there is a very a distinct possibility of a cross-brand Raw v Smackdown match at Wrestlemania they often do one of those don't they a, mm, you know, yep. li- a little mini battle for brand supremacy and I could see that being Finn Balor versus Shinsuke uh, that yep. looked, that just felt like a little tease of that to me yeah could um, easy be so could I, easy I, be they could go there with that. But I do think that they might look at Nakamura styles. And I, I think they probably think... Don't forget, sometimes they'll talk to some of their wrestlers and say, what do you want to do? You know, I know they've done that in the past with Jericho and with Sean and whatever. They'll talk to them and say, what do you want to do? WrestleMania, who would you like to face? And, you know, they'll pick, they'll ask for someone or whatever, and it may or may not happen. I absolutely could see AJ Styles saying, I want to wrestle Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm sure and, he would. And they might say, okay, we'll find a way of doing that. 
And the SmackDown title, I'm going to call it that, I know it's a WWE title, but the yeah. SmackDown title would be so far down the pecking order at WrestleMania because they would go, you know, first of all, we'll do Brock and Roman. Then it's perhaps, say, Triple H versus Kurt. That's above the SmackDown title. Um, they might do Undertaker versus someone. That's above the SmackDown title. And they might do Shane against someone. And that's above the SmackDown mm. title. So you might have three, maybe four matches that are ahead of the, the SmackDown Championship match. Because of that, it doesn't really matter um, that it's for the title or not. If you, you may as well, because if you just say, say you do AJ versus Nakamura, okay, now what are you doing with the title? So I, I get so you. Okay, you could do your Braun Strowman versus, um, you do your Braun Strowman versus um, Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens match, but that to me is even is even less than AJ versus Shinsuke, and I just think it's so it's so far down the line. I just think that I I fancy that they'll want something bigger than that for for Strowman, Ooh. whatever that whatever that may be, um, and I'm just I'm kind of at a loss to see where they can um. You know where they can really fit everyone in. I mean, maybe Stro- maybe it's Strowman versus Undertaker. Do you know what I mean? Maybe that's what they're keeping him strong for. Maybe. You know, maybe. Maybe they're, gonna, maybe they're going to do Strowman v Taker because that would fit. You know, in in terms of mm. you know, especially if, mm, not if you wanted to keep Strowman face. I don't know. Not really. I don't, I don't know. I think the crowd could. I don't. But he's not. He's kind of a face, and he kind of isn't, isn't he? No, no. I mean, he, no, he's he's a solid. Oh, he's now. Total, he's a face. He's a face. Well, he has been and, for four and, weeks. And acting like but one, yeah. Before, before that, he was a bit of both because he was yes. being a heel but getting cheered because he was against Roman all the time. Yes. It's yeah. only since they put him in that trash compactor that he's been a baby face. Correct. But but even, you know, there's still... E- it's easy for him to flip from one place to another. We've talked about this on the pod just recently that, you know, never more have you had more people like Joe, like um, The Bar, like... Strowman, like Reigns, like the Usos, like the New Day, that a sort of a bit of everything. There's there's reasons to boo them. There's reasons to cheer them. You know, there's you know ultimately the bar are heels, but they do little funny segments. And you go, yeah, they're quite fun. Yeah. And there's and you know Joe is a heel, but he doesn't do a lot heelish apart from beat people up, which people cheer for anyway. And so he's a cool figure, and people like him. And you know, Owens and Zayn are another two. And it's like, there's so many heels that are cheered, and che- um, baby faces that are booed. And but almost by design, I think now that it doesn't really matter if you do, if you do Strowman versus Undertaker, people will just pop for the occasion. And if Strowman beats the shit out of him, people will still still cheer for Strowman after WrestleMania. Well, that's kind of my point. I don't think that people want to see anyone beat the shit out of the Undertaker at WrestleMania. That's the problem. I don't think that's the position they want to see Taker in. And if you did, it would people would have poor feelings towards the guy that was doing it. It'd be like it'd be like beating up an old dude, which is the only reason I don't think it would happen. Um, okay. I, what if I, you team? What if you team with him? Much more likely. And one thing I was, I was thinking earlier while you were talking is another scenario for WrestleMania could be some combination of um, Nakamura, Finn Balor, AJ Styles. And to complete the New Japan connection, Chris Jericho. What, what about as a, a Fatal a, Four? Well, Fatal Four tag team match. What about a what about a re um, a re sort of revival for Y two AJ? Or you could have AJ and Finn against Nakamura and Jericho. A few things you could do. A few yeah. things you could do. 
Um, I think just having those four in a showcase match, and anyway, I'm just just completely spitballing after it well, popped in my head. But here's what's interesting, though. We'll get back onto Survivor Series after this. But um, here's what's interesting. We talked last week about how stacked this card was, and it still had no. You have to factor him in because he's been that recent a champion, but it had no gender on it, and it yeah, had yeah. no and it had no Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who else was missing off of this? It had no Hardy Boys on it. You still got to factor them in somewhere. Yeah, true. Um, who else was missing? Oh, now you're playing the game with me. Um, um, but there must have been a couple of others that have been injured. Or, sure, there were a couple of others. Um, there's nothing that's springing to my mind. No, but but there, there's still there's still there's no Taker. Oh. There's no there's no Bray Wyatt. No Bludgeon Brothers. There's no Bludgeon Brothers. Oh, Bludgeon Brothers. Um, but there's do you know what I mean there's certain people that are, have not been on this show. Yeah, of course. Um, and so when we get to WrestleMania, this is a Survivor Series where you've been able to do a couple of multi-man. You've done a three, you know, you've done Shield versus New Day to get six people on. You've done, um, you know, a ten-person tag at the end to get people on. You've done the the girls' matches to get people on, um, and you've still knocked out a four-hour show. When we get to WrestleMania, you know, so many more of those matches are going to be one-on-ones. And you're going to try and bring in Undertaker, you know, possibly. You, you, one assumes. I, I mean, I know he seemed seemingly retired last year, but the fact that they haven't said he's retired still suggests to me that he's going to come back. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of factoring him in. Um, and so when you've got all that going on, you know, how on earth do you find matches for everyone at WrestleMania? And it's just it's it's incredibly tough. And so obviously we hope that they find some good ones but what what gets me back to the Nakamura Styles thing is that they might just see that as being an easy let's just bung those two together and keep people happy and they may just want to say let's have let's have a good happy ending to the rumble for once and, and rather than just having you know people that we want you to win they might just realise oh if we just give them Nakamura it just might them shut them up for a little bit and we'll still find a way of getting Roman to do what he wants and Strowman to do what he wants and and whoever else, but anyway, we will come to all that. Um, anything else on the um, the main event of the, uh, the the Survivor Series? There's a couple of other points that I want to get to, but I've, I feel I've been talking for a long time. Um, only that it was quite telling. I tell you what, I hated the t-shirts throughout the night. I hated and always hate the Raw and SmackDown t-shirts, and it was very funny and telling to me that um, Cena didn't wear one at all, and Triple H instead of wearing a Raw t-shirt, he decided to just wear a red version of his own shirt. As did Shane. Shane had his own sort yes, of. Yes, he did. That's blue, right. Blue, yeah, blue yeah, he did, of yeah. yeah, it was like the cool kids get to wear their own thing, wasn't it? But uh, it was brilliant. Anyone else? And also, uh, there was a great anecdote from the night. I was sat with my friend Harry, um, just coming up to the title match. I said, "Harry, ten quid says Lesnar doesn't wear wear a raw shirt." He goes, "Go on then." I said, "Are you for real?" I said, "There's no way." Can you remember in that conversation with Brock Lesnar asking him to wrestle in a red raw T-shirt? I said, "It's just not going to happen." And then AJ Styles comes out, sans T-shirt. Bear in mind, AJ normally wears a T-shirt to the ring as standard anyway. He came out without one, and Harry just slapped the tenor on the table and went, "Fuck, <laughs> fucker." <laughs> yeah, he should he should know better than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. From the half raw shield shirts all the way through, I just thought oh, that was a God. that was an awkward. I would have rather them had, you know. Actually, I thought Triple H and Shane and whatever you think, oh, they're doing their own thing. But actually, if everyone had done that, if everyone just have, would have had coloured gear, yeah. I mean, if, if the shield simply had a red stripe running through their normal gear, 
Yep. And the, and the the new day was slightly more blue than the purple that they have. Yep. You know, just literally just do that all the way through. I'm sure they could have done custom to- gear for totally for pretty much everybody that just even if it's just a you know the, the bar could have had like a scarf or something tied around their arm. Yeah, was, and a, and a couple of them, and... a couple of them made a real effort to do that. Like um, the Usos had the blue on, didn't they? And yeah, um, yeah. And uh, there was a few others that incorporated it really well into their gear, and it would have been so much more. There's a good, there's a really good example, yeah, because they sort of had a sort of varsity jacket sort of. That's right, yeah. Thing going on, didn't they? I thought they looked quite smart, and it was. Um... There was a few. There was a few others, to be fair. They weren't the only ones. Finn yeah. Balor had red trunks on, didn't he? Yeah, that, that would have been uh, a really good thing to do Joe, Joe all had the way through. Black, Joe had his red and black trunks on rather than his green and black or whatever. So, but, they, um, but they, yeah. therefore they wouldn't have. They didn't need the shirt. They, they didn't need the raw shirt. They, exactly. were, they were already in their colours, and I think that would have been a much better. So emasculating. I think the idea that I talked about this last week. The idea that wrestlers put brand supremacy arbitrarily above all of the considerations and motivations to the point where they'll put these tacky t-shirts on just to sit and conform with this brand is just so emasculating or the female version of um, emasculating I don't know um, just just makes me weep really it's just uh, it's just absolutely tragic very symptomatic of Monday wrestling let's yeah. put it that way yeah um, a positive from that main event I, I really like the first 10 or 15 minutes when they tease little matchups, and they did little. Oh, he's facing him, and they did bundles of them. Yes. Like there was a really good moment um, when you had Bala and Nakamura, and then you sort of had that. Oh, what about Kurt and Shane because they're the the brand leaders, and then it was. Oh, what about um you know, uh, Cena and Cena and Orton teaming? You've never seen that before. And what about Triple H and Orton being with, with the history of them? But they did they did Triple H and Nakamura. Which people really went for. Yeah. Nakamura did his come on, and people were like really going. I thought, oh, I've never really thought of that as being a, a combo. Obviously, Nakamura's come through NXT, but I didn't really think of that being a combo, and the people really went for it. And then Shinsuke tagged in Bobby, and you got the Rude and Triple H thing. Now, I've always thought of Rude as being a bit like a Triple I H. Know you have, yeah. And then Triple H did the spine buster, and Bobby did it back, and I got a real kick out of that. I could, I was thinking of you when I saw that, because you've you've long compared the two, way, bef- way, way before Bobby came anywhere near um, NXT. And, uh, yeah, I got quite a kick out of that on your behalf, actually. I fell in love with Bobby Rude as a wrestler in 2008. Yes. When, when, when TNA came to, came to the UK on their first ever tour and they came to Liverpool and it's actually the first time that they did beer money although it wasn't beer money at the time that's where they first did you know I, I was at the shows where beer money team for the first time and the American Wolves team for the first time how about I, that yeah, I think just, you, have, you have mentioned that before but yeah. it remains impressive but just accidentally and, and neither, and neither of those occasions were people doing things for the future they just got thrown together and it worked but um, the uh, the beer money thing just happened to be on the same show in, in Liverpool and I just I was always taken with Rude but watching him close up I thought man he's good and I first of all compared him to Kurt Hennig and it was like that was what I felt he was going for um, was the Kurt Hennig thing and I referred you know, Stephen Godfrey who you, you'll know obviously and people, people don't know Stephen used to be the, the, um, the publicist head of publicity for, for TNA and I watched that show with Godfrey and I remember saying to him to me I would refer to Bobby is Mr. Almost Perfect because he was that sort of Kurt Hennig style and I remember Godfrey going I'm going to tell him that he'll love that and I interviewed him several times all over various different parts of parts of his career and I often used to request him because I was such a fan um, and when we had the magazine 
the Hooked on Wrestling magazine. Do you remember we had a feature that was I called Re- Recipe for a Wrestler? Yep. And he was really the inspiration for that because I clearly looked at Bobby and saw uh, I saw Rick Rude, which just happens to be a surname you know they share. But um, I happen I saw Rick Rude, I saw Kurt Hennig, I saw Triple H, and I saw Ric Flair. And it was just this this combination of all of those wrestlers, which I thought came to an almost perfect one, which was which was Bobby. There's just a little bit of a spark missing. There always has been a little bit of a spark missing personality-wise, and WWE have covered it up with giving him the theme song. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that, that, yeah. It just it, it's it's filled a gap. That's why he's, it's working. That's why he's re- Bobby Roode just wrestled a main event for for WWE Paul. It's crazy, isn't it? It's you know, brilliant. And in 2008, I loved him, but he was 31, 32, and he was never really going to be into the the big time in WWE. 40 year old Bobby Roode just main evented a pay per view, and it, I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll ever main event one again. But he just main evented a pay per view. How cool it, is that? It's amazing, and it really dawned on me how impressive it was. You know, admittedly they got the short end of the stick, the uh, the fresher guys, but you know Bobby Roode, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura, all sitting there in a main event. Neck, you know, shoulder to shoulder with Triple H, Kurt Angle, John Cena, Randy Orton. It was surreal. Um, I think, the... I think individually, it will serve them all well. I, I agree. Think, I think it was. It was the it was combination. Good. It was the combination on one night of them all getting basically. It was four of them, wasn't it? Because Strowman was the one that broke. So you had five established guys. That is Cena, uh, Shane, Triple H, Kurt and Orton yes there was your five established guys and then there was your five newer guys which were Strowman Finn Joe Rude and Shinsuke old knackers old knackers as Dean would have us say so there was your five and five wasn't it and basically Strowman was the one that broke through and had part of the story about him and the other four it might as well have been it could have been you or me or the Brooklyn Brawler yeah yeah Um, apart from the little moments that they got but I will say individually it would have helped Bobby Roode and it would have helped Shinsuke Nakamura and it would have helped Finn Balor and it would have helped Samoa Joe by being seen in that company. So I don't have an issue with each individual not necessarily being the star of the show because not everyone can be star of the show. But I do have an issue with none of them getting to do anything apart from Strowman. That I think it, I, I don't see why Joe couldn't have pinned someone rather than having Strowman pin... I think Strowman pin everybody... Do you know what I mean? Apart um, from the ones that Triple H did, I think he would have done. Yes, yes, I'm sure he did. I feel like I feel like he, you know, that you could have had Balor do one, or you could have had Joe do one, or you know, or something. I just didn't feel that they got enough shine. But so generally speaking, I thought you looked at the the over, the overall issue and went, it was an issue. But individually, I don't actually think any of them would have been harmed because I think that there was a net gain there. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, um, just on to the, uh, the rest of the show. Um, in fact, let's have a re- really, really quick, and I do mean really quick, um, run through of everything. So we'll do each match with sort of the, the one point that we all took out of it, if anything. So um, Shield New Day, I thought, really good opener. As good a match as there was on the show, I thought, in terms of what it was supposed to be. Great fun action, some innovative stuff. I love that New Day did a version of their finisher that was bigger and yep. then Shield did a version of their finisher which was bigger and got the win that way it made it a Wrestlemania sort of thing to me that we had to go one more to beat these guys yep I think it really put both teams over um, I will 
I, I will say that it was probably not as good as I expected, but that's on me because my expectations were probably too high. I thought it was really good. Enjoyed it a lot. Fun opener. The right team won. Um, one thing I want to talk about next week, though, is Dean Ambrose. Okay. Um, but Dean Ambrose in the Shield originally. I'm not going to labour this point because we're going to be quick. Dean Ambrose in the Shield to me was fantastic originally. As a singles, he's been garbage. Um, and unfortunately, I can't see past that garbage. Now he's back in the Shield again. It's bringing the whole act down for me. Um, but I'd like to go through that in more detail when we've got more time. Okay, fair dues. Um, my other quick point on the uh, the opening matches. I've, I've made a few. I've just remembered that I had a few notes that uh, um, I was meant to refer by myself back to. Um, but uh, one of them was um, that initially the crowd boot uh, cheered Roman Reigns. His first tag in, they cheered him. So it, was a mu- it was a much less marky crowd. Eventually, they did a "You Still Suck" chant and they booed him a wee bit. But generally, the the kind of let's call them the more mainstream fans kind of won the battle and I noticed that later on in the show there was a lot less of the kind of you know the, the, you know, the annoying one fall shit or the after the, um, the t- where they count one two and then the crowd yeah. goes sweet I thought there was way I, I find that mega annoying yeah. Um, and I thought there was way, way less of that. There was a bit of it, and it was still too much for my liking. But then one person doing it is too much for my liking. Huh. Um, I thought there was a lot less of that. And I think when you get less of that sort of crowd, you get less of the deliberate, you know, let's boo Romans for a sport. And I felt that people more went, okay, well, I don't like Roman, but I like the Shield more. So again, it was like a net win for the Shield. I, I felt that was a, an interesting point that how long will they try and use the Shield as Romans? kind of like you know extra support method we can because, before we move on as long yeah, as it well, takes yeah well it's interesting well does that therefore hurt Rollins and yep, Ambrose it does and I don't think they care they are they are Reigns' buffer and they're his security blanket until he needs to um, stretch out from the pack on the run to Wrestlemania until then he is their he is their shield do you know what would be a really fun uh, match at some point either before or after Wrestlemania would be um, Brock Lesnar has to find two partners to go against the Shield. That would be cool. Also, fun- one, do you know the just very quickly again? I suspect the Brock Lesnar Royal Rumble title match might well be a triple threat: Brock, Ambrose, Rollins. Oh yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, you're uh, right. It'd be quite good fun. Moving on. Um, anything to note out of the um, Team Raw v Team SmackDown ladies match? Only, only its predictability. <coughs> Um, that was always going to be a vehicle to get Asuka over even more and mission accomplished it worked really well there's not much more to say I liked um, again it goes back to the team aspect of it yes we're trying to put into one side the fact that certain individuals hated each other a couple of months ago and now they're, ta- they're teammates but I sort of liked how together the girls were that as the teams you know when there was you know, Bailey was sort of dancing to someone's music at one point I forget who it was but like someone else's music came on and she was dancing to it and the girls felt like really into the team thing I really liked that I thought that was a nice touch like the, the, I can remember Bailey sort of sitting there with her arm around the one of the fans or something or the girl in the front row and it just I felt that like they were enjoying themselves there's something about rest, watching wrestlers enjoy themselves that I like you get that a lot at a house show don't you when they, they let their guard down a bit True. and uh, I quite like that and uh, just one little line was um, uh I, generally speaking, hated the commentary all night because it was just too many of them and not enough of them are good. But um, I liked Saxton being able to get on it. I liked um, Graves being able to get at Saxton that bit more. And he said, "Go on, admit it. You've um, you love those inflatables." And, and Byron Saxton went, 
I have missed him a little bit. <laughs> it was just a really, <laughs> really fun little line I thought was uh, that uh, that made me laugh. Um, Corbin versus Miz. Um, utterly forgettable. Um, the winner only chosen by what they needed for the narrative the rest of the night. Um, heels versus heels just don't work when the guys have got so got heat like those two have. Um, yeah, th- that's it really. I thought it was Corbin, one of Corbin's better matches, but that's not saying a lot. Um, wasn't offensive. Move along. Yeah, uh, agreed. Um, I think the right man won in the sense that Corbin winning matches is probably better for him right now. Miz can lose every night and still be Miz, so um, don't think it really matters. Uh, Usos in the uh, the bar. Loved it. Yeah, it was good, as expected. It? Loved it. This was also heel versus heel, obviously, but the dynamic worked because you felt that felt that it mattered more. And also the fact that there were the both teams, as we've alluded to, like Usos, I think they might be faces now anyway, or yeah, on the I verge think, of a soft turn. I think they um, are since they shook, shook since they shook hands with the new. Yeah, day, yeah, they're sort of definitely tweeners, and the bar are the bar are definite heels with with a bit like you said earlier, some tweener tendencies. Um, and I just think these are two of the best tag teams. Like I, I can't remember I said this to, I think on Facebook maybe or somewhere else. If there is a better tag team in the world than the Usos in the bar right now, then they are all-time greats because these two teams are phenomenal in completely different ways. They couldn't be more different, but they are just two of the, you know, it's not, certainly with the Usos, it's fair to say they're one of the greatest tag teams of all time already. They're in that top 20 and they're climbing. And the bar, if they're given time, will get there as well. Just loved it. And I, I thought all credit to both of them. This was probably my sleeper match of the night, actually. On another day, we'll have a conversation Ooh. about individual wrestlers that have been the best tag team wrestlers. We'll do that. Uh, Let's... As in, not the Legion of Doom. Yes. They're not saying, oh, Hawk and Animal, but an individual. And I'm, I think Cesaro may be the greatest tag team wrestler of all time he may well be but another thing to say on this match well I love the finish I love the fact that the uh, I, I won't pretend to know them know them apart but the Uso did the plancher over the top rope tagging, oh, did the tag. tagging in his brother and taking out the opponent yeah, on the outside sweet. at the same time loved, loved it, it. It was just a really great match, a really innovative and just great fun. Uh, tag team wrestling um, rules again. Yeah. And it hasn't ruled for ages, but um, since a DIY and revival stuff all the way through New Day and Uso stuff, Hardy's been involved, Sheamus and Cesaro, um, you know, good good stuff with the Shield. Um, tag team wrestling rules. Yep. Really does. Um, Alexa and Charlotte pretty standard as you expected again probably the right way of doing things as well yeah totally the right way of doing things I uh, my 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 appreciation for Alexa Bliss is well known I think she's excellent and I think Charlotte is growing on me again actually after a period where I thought she was resting on her laurels a bit I think she's incredibly the, the athleticism she shows is incredible she's a good dominant face though she's a really good foil for Alexa um and I thought these guys put on a good match. Uh, how do they get to Charlotte versus Asuka, which has to be the mm, match? Does it? Does it? I don't think. No, I don't think. No, I think you're at the actually. Yes, down the line it does. But I think what you're going to see is two separate paths for these guys towards WrestleMania. You're going to get Bliss 
dodging Asuka and putting barriers in her way and people in her way as she barrels through them and then at Wrestlemania it's Asuka against Bliss and Asuka knocks her head off in five seconds and beats her and that's absolutely how it should be match quality be damned that's the story that's how you need to tell it that's how it should be done and then on the other side of the coin you've got Charlotte Bailey Sasha and uh, uh, Becky Lynch against the uh, MMA four horsewomen a completely separate thing Ronda Rousey mainstream plus blah 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 and then you move into Ronda Rousey against Charlotte and then eventually a year down the line maybe even more then let's do Charlotte against Asuka and see what happens I think uh, I think that the whole MMA horsewomen thing is less and less likely to happen Um, now that Survivor Series has been and gone which was a perfect opportunity to do it. I think if they do any of them, I think they do Rousey for Mania, and that's it. I don't think. No, they're they're all they're all training, mate. They're, it's, yeah, it's, and it's, it's I know, but it doesn't. Well, but I, I'm, I'm not conv- I'm not convinced. I think I, I can I can see the mind being changed, and um, but we'll see. Um, it is worth noting. Without um, here's minor spoiler, everyone. So pause here, um, and we'll stop in 30 seconds. Time we'll have moved on. Um, but. Uh, uh, six new divas. Oh, sorry, stop saying divas. Six new females on TV this week, I think. Oh, five um, and page. Five and page. So um, big shakeups. Can't say I know lots and lots about all of them, um, but if there's at least a couple in there that have got some um, some talent and some fresh matches and uh, some deeper rosters, which I think is a is a good thing. Um, the uh, okay, it's that takes us on to um, to Brock and AJ, which we've. Uh, pretty much done but anything else just to uh, just to add to that just a couple of things really loved it like this match could have easily been a Brock squash um, and I thought it says a lot about again like like we talked about remember Wrestlemania where we talked about Shane being programmed with AJ was a big endorsement for AJ despite it not being the match the fans wanted to see yes the fact that AJ got such a good amount of offence on to Brock Lesnar is another big endorsement of AJ Styles as a wrestler they really do see him as a star and um, and that which was obvious in this match and the promo that Paul Heyman cut on Twitter afterwards to put him over and one of my favourite spots in ages in this one was where AJ had him in the calf killer you'll know the one I'm talking about and uh, Brock instead of powering out to the ropes or something simply grabbed AJ's head and beat it into the mat repeatedly until he let go <laughs> there's the the best, the best thing about that is that is absolutely what you would do. Completely, it's exactly. That's why it was good because it's not a, it's not a contrived, you know, step, jump, twisting, bouncing, flicking, hurricane runner. That's what you would do if someone had you like that. You'd grab them by the head and you'd smack them. It was violent that, and realistic and brilliant. Exactly what Brock would do, and I thought, I, it, and I thought you could say that about the whole match. Loved it to pieces. I had one. Well, it was obviously a tiny issue, but I don't think it is a tiny issue. I think, generally speaking, it's a, a big issue, because I think that um, Ambrose did it a little bit in the opener as well. I thought AJ's comeback was a little bit too good, in okay. the sense that Brock beat the shit out of him for ten minutes. Oh, well, not ten minutes, but five, six minutes. The first five or six minutes of the match were, were just Lesnar beating up AJ, and I loved it. I, I love the idea of AJ being the, the, the underdog that you just can't quite put down and just kept the match would keep going and keep going and keep going and he just it was just indefatigable but I thought rather too quickly he went leap Pele Inseguri um, springboard and it's like you've just been beaten up by Brock Lesnar for six minutes you wouldn't be able to move mate 
And it's like, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of the, you know, that kind of exhausted Shawn Michaels thing that he used to do, the out on his feet, Shawn, swinging punches, but every now and again would hit a lucky super kick. You know, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. I suppose you could have hit one springboard and then just lied down for five minutes, but I didn't think AJ sold the beating quite well enough. Um, but again, picky, because I think AJ's uh, popular enough that people will see through that. And also, on the other hand, I love that Lesnar sold his. Yes. Lesnar walked away in pain, yeah. or at least looking in pain. Lesnar sold vulnerability to AJ Styles. I think I think you're right. And when I said that the WWE clearly shows see Styles as a star, I thought what it was also very obvious is that Lesnar has massive respect for him yeah. because he he had his working boots on, and that's not been something you've been able to say for a long, long time. Um, probably going, well, I think it was his best match since the CM Punk match, and um, certainly his best one-on-one match since the CM Punk match in 2013. Um, Lesnar doesn't bring his working boots for everybody, folks. He likes to get in there, collect his... Be Brock Lesnar, collect his paycheck and piss off back to the farm. He went in there with the express intention of putting himself over, but also putting AJ Styles over, and they did a great job together doing it. And I think that says everything you need to know about AJ Styles. Agreed. Um, Best match since the Punk match? I tell you who I'll give... uh, What is this? The forgotten match. The forgotten great Lesnar match and it is a great match, is the match against Roman at WrestleMania. Because it is completely forgotten by A, people's blind spot about Roman yep. Reigns, and B, the run-in finish with, with Rollins. Up until that point, and even including that point, the match is amazing. Yeah, fair point. Fair it is point Roman Re- it's Roman Reigns' best match, as well as being one of um, Brock Lesnar's. It's a cracking wrestling match. And, and that was a similar sort of thing. Brock Lesnar beat the shit out of him. And Reigns just kept on coming at him. And just kept on kicking out. But it was still Brock Lesnar dominating. Uh, that's why I think they could have done a wee bit more with AJ. And AJ would have been more believable as the uh, the beaten up opponent. But the, the, just you could not put down. And then, But again, but some people have gone, oh, it would have been nice for AJ to kick out of the F5. Nope. Disagree entirely. Oh, I thought the absolutely fi- not. Fi- fi- finish was perfect. Because Brock is miles bigger than AJ. And realistically, if you hit him with that, he's dead. So Cena can kick out of it, Triple H can kick out of it, Undertaker can kick out of it, Roman Reigns can kick out of it, fine. Because they're big dudes and he wouldn't be able to hit them as hard. AJ, nope, killed him. And and the whole point of this Lesnar run is trying to get the uh, the F5 over is a one-move kill. Um, Did it to Braun Strowman. Yeah. Um, yeah, he did as well. Actually, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. he did. It. He's done it to every single. Bit. It's not an accident. Everyone he's faced on this run, and this is a run, an unprecedented run for Lesnar in terms of variety of opponents. And the common factor in them all is he's taken one F5 to beat them, which is not normal for big matches nowadays, and it's deliberate. Right. And that because is obviously because, to give Reigns because, a Ro- kick out. because Roman is going to kick out of three. Correct. <laughs> well, he's, gonna, he's probably only going to kick out of one, but that's all you need. One, if you put it over this this much and played it up this much as being a complete murder-death-kill move, you only need to kick out one. And, and that's the go- beauty of it. They're resetting Goldberg, expectations. Did Goldberg kick out of it? Uh, yeah, I think he did. But like it's, I say, this is, this is the run. Yeah, this is the run then. we're talking about now. Yeah, since then. Um, I have one more thing to say about the pay-per-view, um, and it concerns uh, Jonathan Cena. Yes. Um, I'm not sure that's his full name. Um, it isn't. In fact, it's John something something Cena. I can't. John, is it something like Felix? Obviously, it's Felix or something like that. His middle name, mm. but I was uh, not sure about that. Um, well, I might be thinking of Usain Bolt. Anyway, that's irrelevant. John Cena. Um, I'm going to make this short and sweet. 20, 30 seconds tops. 
I have been a John Cena fan for many, many years. I've been a huge defender of John Cena for the best part of a decade. When anyone has said that he can't wrestle, I have defended him that he can. When anyone has talked about his um, his willingness to do anything that's asked of him to try and do the best thing for the wrestling business, etc., 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 I thought Sunday might have been the worst night in John Cena's career. <laughs> that's a bold and I, statement. And I, I thought he, I thought it was pathetic. I thought his effort was pathetic. I don't think he was wanted to be there. I think he answered a bit of an SOS. But as you said, didn't wear the SmackDown blue. Okay, that might have been someone else branding him. I suspect not. Um, he, he, anyway, he came across as a dick for wearing his own colours. Um, but more importantly, watch him. go back and watch him on the apron. It is the most ludicrous, over-the-top, cartoony, playing-to-the-three-year-old crowd. And I know Cena has always played to the... Um, the pre-pubescent crowd anyway but this is so wrestling doesn't matter this is so stupid and silly and over the top it was like they were doing a wrestling skit on Regis and Kathy Lee and he didn't dare take it seriously watch him it's pathetic on his, his, his mannerisms and whatever it's over the top it's more more. remember when Sean was bouncing around for Hogan and everyone said how it was disrespectful and he didn't take it seriously it was it was beyond that I wow. really hate. He offered nothing to the match. He put no effort in, and he just stood around, gawping, taking attention away from other people, and being absolutely no help whatsoever. They literally may as well have put James Ellsworth there. I'll have to go back and check that. Out. I can't say I noticed it, but it did strike me as a complete pointless exercise because obviously I think it's well known that he was originally going to be there as a special referee in the, the, the Brock Lesnar Universal Title match. So he was there. You're right. He was. He phoned it in. It, why why use him why not have used well, anybody really other than him it was yeah. uh, it was a almost non-factor literally, almost literally anyone because he's yeah. not even a Smackdown guy and this is the thing is that just put someone there it Rusev. really doesn't matter put who Rusev, Rusev in there put, put Rusev there perfect and have him and have Rusev be beaten immediately yeah. and have Rusev tag in and get smacked up by Strowman it doesn't matter it just having Cena was just mega pointless although I yeah, did yeah. I did get a kick out of seeing Cena and um Orton team up. I thought that was quite cool, but um, fair enough. Anyway, apart from the... right then, um, we are going. We ought to have a little chat about the uh, the sheep quiz, and also have a little touch on NXT Takeover. Um, but before we do, we've we've talked quite a lot so far, Paul, about uh, about the Royal Rumble. Um, obviously, our eyes are turning um, to the natural um, thing to do it this year, which is to start the uh, the windy road down to WrestleMania in uh, New Orleans. Um, and it is the exciting thing to do is to start saying what are your mania matches we've been doing that already who's going to win the Royal Rumble we've been doing that already you can also uh, answer that question by partaking in the sheep quiz we'll talk about that in a second but um, I think everyone's favourite pay-per-view is really secretly the Rumble Um, I feel like we're due a good one as well so uh, it'll be funny when we get to the Rumble we'll be marking over a year of the Hooked On podcast because we started last year's uh, we started the podcast at the very, very end of last year, building up to the 20, Royal Rumble. Twenty so we second uh, of December. So there we are. So we're very close to the uh, the one year for that. Um, so by WWE logic, I don't know it's probably our ninth anniversary or something. I don't know how quite how they work it. Um, uh, although less of the Soul Survivor shit this time, I noticed at Survivor Series, they didn't really sort of bother with um, with all that nonsense. But um, anyway, the Royal Rumble is upcoming, and we are running fourteen venues. Oh my lord. One Why four. on earth are we doing that? We have gone to the, all 
um, ends of the spectrum. We are all over the place. You're not coming to our town. We hear you saying, no, we're sorry. We aren't exactly everywhere. But I think it's almost certain that unless you are um, down in the, uh, the the far southwest like me or up in the, the very, very north of Scotland, I reckon you can get to a hooked-on party within two hours from almost anywhere in the country. I would say so, yeah. So, um, fill us in, Paul. 14 venues. Off you go. Right, okay, mate. So, let's start with at the top. We go, we're back in London at the Grand. Um, we've sold 100 tickets there already, which is just absurd. Um, we are in our usual shooters bars in Manchester, Leeds, Liverpool, Cardiff, Nottingham and Birmingham. We love going there. Those guys are great to us and they've got great venues for you guys as well. Um, we're also going to be back in walkabouts in Reading, Derby and Sheffield. Um, we're going to make our walkabout debuts in two new cities in Chelmsford and Glasgow, excitingly. Our first one outside of uh, Scot- uh, England and Wales. First one in Scotland. Uh, we are going back to walkabout Brighton. Um, we get asked continuously about this. We've missed a couple through <laughs> circumstances outside of our control. We are back. Um, and excitingly, after the old cock-up last time for SummerSlam in Bournemouth as we promised we're back in Bournemouth we've upgraded the venue significantly and we're going to be at a place called Sharky Sports Bar which is very well known and appreciated locally the screen is just gigantic and the place is very cool so hopefully people will like our new venue there and that makes 14 wowzers um, sure. quickly on the Bournemouth thing uh, we had some issues at uh, SummerSlam anyone that was um part of that one um, are they getting something for, for coming to the Rumble oh yeah absolutely anybody that came to our SummerSlam party in Bournemouth and was so severely let down um, they'll get a free t- they got the money back they get a free ticket for the Royal Rumble they get a free ticket for SummerSlam they'll get a free ticket for Wrestlemania so they're not going to pay for another party all year yeah, fair dues and uh, hit us up guys as well if you're going to be in a different city if you happen to have been going to Bournemouth for um for SummerSlam but actually you've moved away now and you're going to be nearer to Cardiff or Chelmsford or Nottingham or whatever tell us we'll sort you out it's not a problem um, in terms of um, hosts and all that kind of thing we are going to be getting to them as time goes on we're finalising uh, our lineup uh, as we speak but we hope to be able to do a similar thing to previous pay-per-views where we can bring on some of our hosts onto the uh, onto the podcast in the, uh, in the next six or seven weeks or so um, and have a chat so you can get to know them and you can find out who's where. Um, when are we going to be in a, in a position to start naming names, Paul, do you think? Well, we already have. We've got. Um, we've announced that our old friend SoCal Val is going to be working with us again. We're going to move her to Cardiff this time. We really feel like those guys at Cardiff deserve some recognition from our, one of our more famous hosts. So we're going we're gonna to move her there. She's delighted. She loves Cardiff. She's really excited to come. We have got hosts in place for a lot of the other parties already, and I'll be bringing that information out into the public um, in the next few weeks. Some of them are fairly, you know, we've got Rob, as always, is back in London, which we which we love and appreciate. He's the man there. Uh, Danny Hope in Manchester, he's our stalwart there. Ben Brown in Leeds will be uh, there again. Richard Young in Nottingham, he's going to be back with us. Um, we've got Steve Linsky back in Bournemouth too. So a few of those parties are going to be um, as you were, um, and a few of them are going to be a bit changed up. So we'll we'll um, we'll announce that very shortly. Ace, looking forward to that. It's always nice to uh, uh, to get our array of hosts onto uh, 
onto the podcast and pick their brains about wrestling and find out what they've uh, what they've got in store. What we have got in store for everyone is the classic hooked on party delivery. That is to say, um, if you went to some of our uh, Survivor Series stuff and it was a bit watered down or a bit sort of in your housey as we called it, um, no more of that for uh, for the Rumble. Uh, we're back to full on, full blown balls to the wall hooked on. So we're talking the fancy dress. We're talking. The quiz. We're talking about the wrestling music. We're talking about everything that goes into um, the full hooked on experience. Um, I also believe, Paul, I want to put myself, put my foot in it here. But um, where are we in terms of um, video games and all those kind of stuff? It's not going to be everywhere, is it? But we're going to have a, a few um, different uh, things going on in different venues. No, it's not going to be everywhere. We um, we have our teams that um, are local video game stores that run uh, the WWE 2K18 tournaments for us. We haven't finalised where they're going to be yet, um, but we do. It all depends on the support from the local store. It does vary. We won't get them in all 14, but we'll get them in as many as possible. Yeah, and if listen, guys, if 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 something isn't a place near you um, it's not always personal but in fact it's almost never personal it's just a case of logistics we can afford things in certain areas certain people are avail- available in certain areas um, it's, it's just the way it goes um, So, but the thing to do absolutely um, is spread the hooked on word so if you uh, are going to let's say the, the new one at Chelmsford or you're going to our established one in Cardiff where you're going to see Val um, if you're going to uh, those kind of things tell your mates tell your friends bring everyone get them down because if we start to see bigger and bigger crowds let's say we have a you know Cardiff goes up by 50% um, you know from, from SummerSlam up to Rumble or from last year's Rumble and we can see that's a bit of a growth area we'll, we'll, do, we'll probably do something a bit more special for you for Wrestlemania because we know that there's, uh, there's something going on so it's really worth trying to build up a bit of a groundswell and everything peaks with Mania so the Rumble's going to be great but the Mania will be even better because that's just, just how we've noticed things go isn't it Paul the stars yeah, come out absolutely. for Wrestlemania absolutely right so wh- where can people get hold of a ticket because um, as you said in London um, tables and booths and so forth gone done um, but in three days but now we're at the Grand. Um, if you came to us um, when we were at uh, our last place um, at Walkabout Temple, uh, great venue though it was. Wasn't always the best for seating. Uh, at the Grand, we've got a few, even if we don't have the the tables and the booths, we do have a lot more seating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's plenty of seating. I wouldn't I wouldn't be so bold as to say there's going to be seating for everyone if we reach capacity. But you know, there's going to be a, an enormous amount. You'd have to be quite unlucky not to get any seating. Um, but the the private balconies, the private tables, where you all guaranteed to sit together, all been snapped up already. So um, we're down to our early. But we've got about. Let me work this out. Da, 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 there's about 70 early bird tickets remaining. Um, again, which is unprecedented in numbers. December the 15th is a cutoff for early bird, and normally we have a couple of left at that point we're not we're going to be cutting them off early there's no way we're going to get to the 15th um and then it'll be full price so get to ringsideworld.co.uk or hookedonevents.co.uk to get your tickets for all of those parties and if you're in one of the shooters venues and you want to book a table you can call shooters direct on 0845 zero, and you can get a package that's including the ticket the um, free uh, ticket for entry, table, seat, free beer, and a free burger. Um, that all comes inclusive in the price. It varies from 
city to city so I won't name the price it's all individual um, and then walkabout if you want a table there any of the walkabouts buy your ticket from one of the websites and then call up and uh, reserve your seats direct folks the rumble's the one to come to it really is the one to come to the whole experience of the hour or so that you have the Royal Rumble the oh, countdowns God, yeah. the pops when everyone comes out we'll always talk about won't we there was we have barely ever seen anything like the pop when AJ Styles appeared oh. at number three Whoa! The only thing that's rivaled it was the Hardys at WrestleMania. Yep. But the, when when AJ came out at three, man alive, the reaction. Road um, men hugging each other. Yeah, li- literally, literally. And for every Rumble that we've done, and we're, we're talking about this, will be our sixth Rumble, I think. Six, maybe even seventh Rumble. Oh, five? No, it's our five-year anniversary in the Rumble, mate. Oh, so it's our sixth. So it's our sixth Rumble then. Yeah, how mad is that? It's crazy, crazy talk. So that means it's seven years since the. We all got together in uh, in Camden and the whole thing started. But because uh, we did two years doing that, didn't we? Yeah, so it'll be so it'll be seven then, won't it? Because if it's the fifth year, if it's the fifth oh, anniversary, sorry, sorry you're right. The fifth anniversary of one and it's two on. See, you 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 can go and live with WWE and their stupid <laughs> anniversary rules. Um. Anyway, so it'll uh, yeah. So this will be our sixth Raw Rumble um party. So we're going all the way back uh, to Belushi's and through to Walkabout Temple and now to uh, the Grand. This is in London, of course. Um, and that's where we spread to, uh, to now to 14 venues. My oh my, I can't believe it's got to that. But the Rumble is the one you get to do all the countdowns and you get the surprise entrance and uh, and all that. It's just it's just such a such a great giggle. So um, we'd uh, love you to come and join us. Um, get yourself booked in as early as you can. Take advantage of some early bird pricing. Take advantage of the fact that it's now November and you've still got some money and you've not burnt burnt yourself out over Christmas. Also, what a great Christmas present. Buy a Christmas present for your mates and get them all together, or for your partner, or for whomever. We're going out for uh, for WrestleMania. Uh, sorry, for the Royal Rumble. Maybe you're travelling a little bit. Book yourself a nice hotel. Go out and see the Rumble. It's a great Christmas present as well. So, um, and uh, if you want, I'm sure we could do like a little. Uh, if you wanted to buy it specifically as a Christmas present, I'm sure we could do something to uh, to help you do some sort of a little announcement. We can we can do all sorts of hooked on. Just give us a shout. Um, so, Paul, just very, very quickly, because the Rumble is what we're going to uh, major on today, just give us a little quick heads up about what's going on for Wrestle Kingdom. Um, are, we, uh, are we still looking good for the, our uh, breakfast party for Wrestle yes, Kingdom? Yes, we are. We will um, talk about that in a bit more detail next week, but that's January the 4th at 7am in London, so that's going to be in the Grand. Tickets on sale now, various different prices. The main tickets we're selling at the moment are our Elite Tickets, um, 15 pounds includes entry drink that could be a beer it could be a soft drink uh, and a bacon sandwich um, or vegetarian equivalent so they're on sale now um, the interest was massive um, pre-ticket sales to be honest it hasn't they haven't sold hugely quick so there's still plenty left um, but I think that's because people have been concentrating on the rumble this week when, when our promotional attention turns to Wrestle Kingdom in a week or so then you will see that. So what we're going to do with Wrestle Kingdom is slightly different because it's so early. Instead of doing a quiz beforehand, we're actually going to do a quiz during the intermission, which is famously part of Wrestle Kingdom and all New Japan shows. We're going to do a quiz in the intermission. And we're also going to do a post-show discussion panel moderated by Patrick Lennon um, and featuring a few surprise guests. Which means we don't know who they are yet. I do. Um, I know two of the three. I know, I, I, know, I know two of the three. Actually, yeah, that's not fair. I, I genuinely don't know. Paul won't tell me. But um, I always think whenever people do surprise and surprise guests, it normally means we haven't booked anyone and we're just trying to uh, think of who to put in. I like the fact that they were going to do it. It was a surprise entrant for the 
uh, for the SmackDown women's team, and oh, it was Natty, which was what, what made sense. <laughs> That's what made sense anyway. Um, okay, cool. Plugging kind of over for now. As, as we say, we'll get probably get a little bit more into Wrestle Kingdom um, as the month of December goes on. Um, get a little bit more focused on that. We'll take a little bit more of a look um, at New Japan. I think it's fair to say that Paul, both you and me. Um, I wouldn't say we're New Japan virgins, but we don't know the ins and outs of New Japan all that much. But I'm certainly going to make um, a mission of mine during December to watch a whole load more New Japan uh, and to try and get myself a bit more clued in on it. And so I know a lot more of the individuals come the uh, come the time. So I think while it won't be quite a get Paul to watch all the WrestleManias building up to WrestleMania like we did last year, I think we probably ought to make it our mission to watch a few New Japan shows and familiarise ourselves and share what we've learned and I'm, I'm, I encourage listeners to do similar because although we loads of fun to uh, uh, to watch New Japan kind of fresh and to, to watch Omega versus Jericho there's a whole lot more to, to NJPW than there is just uh, the match between the two lads from Winnipeg there you go, we, I think it's fair to say we are newbie Japans newbie Japans, excellent stuff that's the new feature uh, coming in December, newbie Japans. Um, <laughs> right, um, uh, let, let us let us finish uh, with some sheep. Oh, um, bah humbug! Bah humbug! Bah humbug! Bah humbug! There's there's the Christmas special with the sheep there quiz. There we done. go. Lovely stuff. Um, anyway, uh, what is the sheep quiz? Now, hopefully, you've heard us talk about it in the uh, the last few weeks. Uh, in short. Ten questions, all giving you some, all offering some sort of an opinion. Who do you think is the best of this? Who would you have induct someone in the Hall of Fame? What's the uh, the most memorable one of these? And you give an opinion, except you kind of do. Rather than saying what you think is the answer, you say what you think people would say is the answer. So a little bit of family fortunes kind of in there. What do you think is the top answer? But you're playing as well. Um, your vote counts. For example, let's say that there are 30 people playing... 25 people give an answer and you are one of the 25 that gave the answer you score 25 points if you're the only person that gave an answer then you only score the one point so you're trying to get what the collective are going to come up with the big ones are when there's lots of different options and actually it might be a lower score but it might be a more effective score because there'll be more people that have missed out it's a very fun thing to do if that sounds a little bit complicated we promise you it's not Um, please go on to our Facebook page which is Paul it is facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling. And you can see our last uh, sheep quiz, and we'll be, it's kind of explained through there. But the new one is up. Now, we're not going to do big discussion points now because we don't want to give things away. Um, but, Paul, hit us with uh, a couple of, not all of them, but a couple of the new questions in this, uh, in this sheep quiz. Okay, let's give you a couple of the flavor. Well, do you know what? If it's only ten questions, and we're not going to talk about it. Well, why don't I just go through the ten? Okay, cool. Let's um, you go for the ten. Just give us a little pause in between, Why each, so we not? can just uh, just clear, clarify anything if we need to. Okay. So the first question, number one, Rob's question. This one actually. What is the single best atmosphere of any WWE pay per view in history? Yep, that's uh, fairly self-explanatory. Okay. I was nice thinking of a, I was thinking a little bit while ago about a certain couple of. Uh, pay-per-views and it was in my mind about uh, comparing the two and I said to Paul that could be a good question not mentioning them because it's uh, prejudicial but uh, there we go. In, in terms of atmosphere so not necessarily the greatest matches but in terms of atmosphere and question two very straightforward this was the best finishing move of all time Carte Blanche there no, guys you've got hundreds and th- that is one of that's a high, that could be a very effective scorer that one 
Um, let, we're up to. We're probably going to be looking at forty plus entrants here, aren't we? On this one, we're, I, uh, I would say so. Yeah. So let's say fifty as a round number. Let's say fifty. If the question is later on, Paul's going to ask a yes or no question. The high, the, the lowest, you, you know, you, it's going to be one or another. You've only got two options. Oh, obviously, it could be forty nine one. It could be twenty six twenty four. But the lowest you're going to score if you get it right is going to be sort of twenty five twenty six. When it comes to finishing moves, you've got every finishing move that's ever existed. I think there's a very fair chance that out of 50 people, you could get 25 answers. And so if one has five or six um, suggestions to its name, that could win. And those little extra points that no one else has got could be really, really important. So think really hard about that one. I think it's the most important question in the quiz. Okay, question three. If Rob Van Dam were to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2018, who would be the one doing the inducting? There we go. And again, just uh, not who do you think would be a cracking little idea, but who would the people say? Who would WWE say is more important? You know? who, would, who would the guy be? Anyway, yeah. um, question four. If we were to banish all the McMahons from television, so Vince, Stephanie, Shane, Linda, forever, except one, which of them should be sh- saved? And it said shaved then, but what? saved. Wow. That's a very different question. Um, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of caught me, that one. Um, that's an image I wasn't thinking. Although Vince, Vince, Vince of course, has been shaved on there. Uh, yes, on he has. yes, he the has. By the President of the United States of America. Oh, don't, please. Um, um, yeah, only, only one. That's, a great, that's my, that's my favourite question. That's a great question. It's a good, fun question. Um, next question is... Again, a very simple one. What's the best theme music of all time? Again, so theme music and finishing move. I mean, these these two, so open-ended, so many different choices. So May, maybe, get... yeah, I maybe shouldn't have done both of those in one. Oh, it's okay. There we it's are. Okay. It's there okay. It's going to sort the sort the men from the boys and the ladies from the divas. Indeed. So another one. Uh, qu- uh, what's this? Question number six. Who will be the next call-up from NXT? And of course, there's um, <laughs> even been call-ups this week. You know what I mean? But, uh, but it's, it doesn't actually, doesn't actually hey, matter if someone has been called doesn't up. Matter. It, it doesn't it matter just, at all. It's just what the people say. Correct. It doesn't matter at all. Question number seven. Another simple one. Who will win next year's Royal Rumble? Dead easy. We've, we've been talking about it lots on the uh, the podcast so far. Uh, there are lots of different choices out there, but what do, what do most people think? The people think is exactly. going to be who is the winner. Uh, question number eight um, will Jinder Mahal ever again win the WWE or Universal title yes or no there's your yes or no so some questions with the most open ended answers this one you've got two choices Um, number nine the penultimate question who will be uh, sorry I'll start again if WWE were to bring back the hardcore title tomorrow who would be the first champion and again, well, we're not necessarily saying it has to be someone on the uh, the current roster. I think it's implicit. I mean, if, if if enough people do write in and say Duke the Dumpster Drossy, then that is the answer. But exactly, um, I think you interpret I, however you wish. It, it, it is. It's your own. Uh, it's your own interpretation. And then the last question is another best of. What is the best match of Bret Hart's career? We'll do a best match one in every one, and this this time we've chosen Bret Hart. We've already had a discussion about this. This is we're not going to preju- make it any more prejudicial, but uh, you can go back into the hooked on archives and listen to uh, several of us talking. I forget who our guest was when we were doing Bret Hart, but uh, John um, Canton. 
was it John Canton? Was it? Yeah, it might well have been. But um, maybe, maybe. We, we were talking about uh, the best matches of uh, Bret Hart's career, and there was some uh, a plethora of options. He's one of those wrestlers where um, a lot of people have got a favourite Bret match, and it often changes. So uh, uh, that's a very, very fun discussion point. What we'll do with a lot of these, by, by the time we get to next week's show, um, we'll have finished uh, taking in your entrance. We'll have probably done the, uh, the answers as well. So um, when we get to next week's uh, podcast... Uh, we shall take three or four of our favourite topics and have a little discussion pool, won't we? We'll invite, yes, we will. Um, we'll invite you as well to uh, to do so online. At this moment in time, when we've got the questions up on Facebook, please don't discuss them. Um, please don't even, you know, WhatsApp your pals and me- messenger them. It's no fun doing it that way. It's actually it will it won't even help your uh, won't help your scores. Um, it just won't. It's not, it makes it less fun. So um, we'll have to take down posts that, uh, that are prejudicial towards we will. that. And, and we're not stupid. If we see people that are interacting together on our page and then they all put in identical answers, just none of them will count. Simple no, as that. You, yeah, you're done. Our, our discretion is final and it will be final. We've done it before um, with quizzes and stuff at venues and we'll do it again. So it's, uh, don't worry about that. Um, but it's not really the spirit, is it? So um, please, um, please have some fun with it. Have a think about it. Submit your answers. And then uh, at some point next week, um, we will, this, depending on when you listen to this, but we're recording this uh, on, what was it today, the 23rd of November? Yep. Um, so at some point before the uh, before the end of November, we will endeavour to um, have a bit of an answer session, which Paul will do a bit of a Facebook Live for, or a little um, a little group thing. Um, so we'll, we'll come together to, uh, to see those answers if you're available. It's a very fun reveal that we had last time, so we'll uh, hopefully be doing something similar. Um, and then afterwards we'll have a discussion. So once, you've, once we've released all the answers, then it'll be brilliant to see um, some discussion points, uh, particularly via Facebook. That's a good forum for it. Uh, and then we'll have a discussion on here. Um, we'll probably not do the best Brett match because we've done that in long form before. But uh, I certainly look forward to um, discussing some favourite theme musics with you, Paul. Some favourite finishing moves. There you go. And, uh, and all sorts of uh, other little goodies in there. Who who, uh, uh, who would win the Hardcore Championship and, and various others. There are some uh, really fun discussion points which I uh, look forward to talking to you about. But I'm not going to do so uh, until it's uh, truly out there. Uh, right, we're going to finish um, very quickly. We might go into a little bit more depth next week if, uh, if we see fit. Um, but just for the last 10 minutes or so of the podcast, uh, we'll wrap up with a little bit of NXT TakeOver talk. Um, this was probably the lowest key, if that's a phrase. Low keyest doesn't sound right, but the lowest key um, NXT TakeOver that I can think of. I feel that NXT's kind of fallen under the radar a little bit. All of the NXT giants that have come along from um, Seth Rollins... Uh, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Shinsuke, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, um, and even Asuka and uh, and whoever else. It feels like they've all gone, and we're on a new generation of uh, of NXT wrestler. Um, in fact, I think there was a massively high percent percent of people on this card that had not even been at a takeover before, let alone mm. um, yeah, uh, you know, been in main events and prominent matches. Um, so it was a brand new card in some ways. I thought it really, really delivered. I was I enjoyed the show immensely. Again, maybe we're talking about the expectation factor. Was the expectation too high for Survivor Series, yet too low for NXT? And actually, you know, they've uh, they've been relative. But I really, really enjoyed this match, including two matches that really caught me about just how good they were. And I was finding myself getting carried away during them. We'll talk about the individuals in a second. But uh, overall, um, thumbs up or down for uh, TakeOver War Games? Oh, thumbs up. 
Um, I don't think I've ever said there's been a thumbs down for a, for a takeover. Um, I would say this was, in terms of expectations, this was probably in the sort of the bottom three um, of takeovers. In terms of delivery, I I did really enjoy it overall, but something for some reason it just didn't stick in the memory with me. Um, it didn't feel as quite as um, what's the word I'm looking for? It didn't feel quite as it, it didn't hit me in the feels as the kids might say nowadays, like a lot of them do. But that's not to say it was a bad one. It was a very good one. Um, I just won't remember it as fondly as some of the others. That's fair enough. Um, I was introduced to several characters that I hadn't seen. I'm not. I'm not a watcher of NXT. Um, that is not. Uh, to the detriment of the show I think actually if I watched it and got into a regular habit of watching it I think I'd really enjoy it um, I simply have to kind of limit my wrestling viewing these days I don't have the, the, the time that I used to and so um, NXT is one of those things that kind of I, I find skippable and I can catch up when it comes to these specials um, but what it does mean is that you come into it with a slightly different eye so some people will be following uh, for example I think the best example um, is the Alistair Black versus I knew you were going to say that Dream um, match which I was talking to uh, uh, my friend Chris about this uh, earlier in the week as you know, you know Chris Grovey that helps us out in uh, in London uh, and he is a big NXT guy and he was filling me in on a lot more of the um, the nuances of, of Velveteen Dream and, and Alistair Black which I think if you'd been following it along you would have enjoyed it even more um, I enjoyed the match I thought it was a really good match and you know a fascinating pair of characters Um Alistair Black is one of those to me that I look at and think I worry about him up further I feel that he's not suited to four or five minute mid-card raw forgettable matches mm. and if that's what they make him do I think he's going to struggle um, but maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised and they'll almost shoot him straight to the top because I think he's got something um, I just worry I, he's a bit he's possibly a little bit too indie and it kind of works in NXT because it's still a big indie promotion, really. But um, I'd worry about him on the on the main roster unless he's at the very top. But I, I I love his act and I think he's great to watch. And the Velveteen Dream, you know, this combination of Rico, Orlando, Jordan, and Paul Pogba, um, <laughs> actually, some it seems to work. I really I really enjoyed that match. Oh, mate, it's the best place to start on the card. It was a phenomenal match. Um, and it was a phenomenal story it was a contrast between two characters that had a natural beef and would dislike each other immensely in real life and I loved the construct of the story about how it was all about how Alistair Black was borderline offended by the effeminate ways of Velveteen Dream but it was never offended because he was gay or anything like that or perceived to be gay he was just offended by his in your face boisterousness his antics and he wouldn't even acknowledge him and it, that evolved slowly week by week into a dream very simply wanting Alistair Black to say his name just say my name say my name and he was crazy he was like the spoiled child craving attention he was like a, a reality star his YouTube star he was just pecking away and pecking away and he needs the attention um, and then they got to this match and it was so good it was so well wrestled perfectly timed they they had the mannerisms down they had the psychology down um and the finish where obviously black was black was the one who should have won and did win but then having him acknowledge velveteen dream by name afterwards meant that dream actually got what he wanted out of the match he got what he wanted out of the feud so in a way he won too 
Alistair Black was the better man, but Dream accomplished his mission. And the facial expressions of that kid afterwards is Patrick Clark, who is Velveteen Dream, is 22 years old. He's been wrestling less than two and a half years. How can he be that good in that short amount of time? He's got the whole package already. Performance center, baby. Oh, he well, he's the first true performance center out and out success from the ground up. The guy is absolutely one for the future, and I love his character. It's such it's such a great update of Rick Rude. He is very effeminate, but he's not he's not using that. You know, like like you mentioned Orlando Jordan when he was in TNA, for instance. His character was that he was gay. Whereas Velveteen well, well, Dream, but very specifically, it was that he was bisexual because well, he had, yes, the, sorry, he had the, the man, the man and the woman on the right. on the couch sort of thing. But whereas yeah. whereas Velveteen Dream, I'm pretty sure the character is gay, but it doesn't matter. That's just an aspect of the personality. Hell, who knows? Alistair Black might be gay as a character. Who cares? It's just that he is he is a very pompous, preening, attention-seeking diva, and who can also kick your head off. And I just think that's a superb modern character played brilliantly by that dude. Um, sky's the limit for him. I think there's a second one of that. This is, this is obviously very interesting, uh, potentially trappy subjects to talk about, but I think if it's treated in the right way, then it's uh, you know done without done uh, without offence. I think you're absolutely spot on that it's quite a 21st century way of doing things, which is to let's not make him a heel because he's effeminate. That's been one of the problems with so-called gay yes. characters or effeminate characters, is that they're always heels. So you're encouraged to chant you know, all sorts of homophobic things at them, whether directly or indirectly. It actually kind of spoils, if you go back and watch a lot of Goldberg, uh, Gold Dust stuff from 96, 97, where yeah. it's, you know, it's hugely innovative and different and whatever, but it is rather let down by people chanting in you know, a particular F-word um, you know, derogatory term in the background, and it's just such a shame that uh, um, you know it's tainted like that. But we are 20 years on, and we can change these characters. And I would go so far as to say that also that um, the um, the way that uh, that Peyton Royce and Billy Kay uh, are put across to me, they seem like they're an item. Mm. You know, I think that mm. there's, a, there's a suggestion that, that, that those, they're um, they're gay as well. But it, it, again, it doesn't matter. That isn't the story, and that's how it should be these days. Is that I think you know, you and I are of a generation where we've seen things change a great deal, and I think mostly for the better. Um, that actually, I get particularly frustrated when you know there's always this talk about oh, what, what if a footballer came out as gay, and what you know, how come there's no out footballers? And all this I said, well, why would it matter? You know, I'm, I suspect that there are out footballers to the people that they know and mm. you know that are around them because most people would go, oh yeah, okay, next. You know, did you watch I'm a Celeb last night? No one would particularly care that someone someone is of a particular sexuality or not. But because the papers seem to and because the media seem to, if I was a footballer, there's no way I'd come out as gay if I was because I don't want all that media attention just for my sexuality. Thank you very much. If you just what the what they should do is go so and so's gay. Okay, what else is on? It's not an issue, and so that if we're going to portray Velveteen Dream and, and perhaps Peyton Royce, you know, on those kind of levels, it it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter that that's part. At some point, perhaps you can go deeper with it, and you can have them be a babyface and have to deal with people being derogatory to them and get one over them. And then the, the heel is the asshole that can't put up with, you know, who this guy is. And actually, Velveteen Dream can, you know, be a really good babyface sort of standing up for his rights as it were but I don't think it'll ever work as a character if that is the sole focus 
But if it is a side, if it is a, you know, a sort of a, a bit of a side dish, as it were, I think it can work. You're right. The Orlando Jordan thing was was just horrible of him. You know, what was it supposed to be that character? And it's like it's to me, it isn't a character anymore. What, nope. You know, what are you? What you know? What what is someone so like? He's gay. That's not that's not an answer. That'd be like what what kind of character is Paul? He's tall. Okay. Yeah. That's not a character. That's a description. And it's like I think that's the a, a really cool aspect I think of uh, of NXT in some ways is it feels progressive, and it feels that um, there are things that you know ECW used to be about re- people reflecting society, you know, in in their over the top head banging way, um, and maybe NXT is starting to get it as well. So that would be a a cool thing. That was an unexpected little sidebar there, Paul, but a, a nice one I think. I think it was a yes, indeed, interesting thing to deal with. Um, just jumping back one match, the opening match. I I am unfamiliar with Lars Sullivan. Um, but uh, I anticipate I will be seeing a lot more of him. I loved this guy in my first uh, introduction to Lars Sullivan because he looked like he could hurt me. Yes. This is always the thing is that there are certain people that can, they can or they can't wrestle, but they also do or they don't look like they can hurt you. It was always a knock I had on John Morrison in particular. Um, was that I used to, re- I remember once kind of fantasy booking and writing a blog and doing a podcast about how you could make John Morrison the biggest star in the whole industry, and I meant it. Um, I thought he had that much potential, but the real knock I had on him was that I didn't always think that he looked like he was fighting. I've said the same mm-hmm. thing about Jeff Jeff Hardy before. They look like gymnasts and dancers more than they do fighters. And obviously it's the best thing about Lesnar is that you know, Lesnar, <laughs> Lesnar looks like he's going to rip your head off. <laughs> um, and can, and <laughs> portray someone that can. You had other people like Shawn Michaels that kind of looks like they couldn't hurt a fly, but happen to be amazing wrestlers, and it's believable. Daniel Bryan's another one. In real life, you probably think I could probably take him. You couldn't, by the way, but you you might think that you could. But he portrays a good enough wrestler that it makes sense that they could realistically win matches. Lars Sullivan is back into your initial category. He just looks like he can <laughs> hurt you. I um I saw Lars Sullivan in the flesh at Download. Um, oh, yeah. Very very up close. He just—it doesn't look human. He's—he's uh, he's a troll. He's—he's uh, he's an old-fashioned. Even the trunks he wears, or he's—he's he's like a blast from the '80s. He looks like a, a carny wrestler, who is—you know—he notices he's got his knee braces on. He's banged up. He's hairy. He's unkempt, without being a Bastian Buga type. He's just like you say. Just—he's—he's he's there to do nothing apart from club you to death with his gigantic arms. Um, and I really like that. I dig it. I totally dig it. So I enjoy this guy. I'm not a fan of Cassius Ono at all. Uh, in terms of his, you know, his work on the Indies is great, but doesn't translate to even NXT particularly well. His presentation is absurdly bad. Takes no pride in himself as a professional, in my opinion. Um, and I'm glad to see him use his cannon fodder to get over a guy that truly does clearly care about getting better, Lars Sullivan. Yeah, agree. Agree. He's he's in the position he ought to be at this moment in time. Um, you're not quite as there. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm an aficionado, but there was certainly a time several years ago where I was pretty big into um, into Ring of Honor, and around about that time when he was teaming with uh, Cesaro, there wasn't a better team in the world. Nope. Um, the two of them were wonderful, complemented each other well. Chris Hero was in shape. Um, everything was going for them, but. You know, we have seen examples of people. I think the biggest example ever. Do you remember the Braden Walker experiment? Oh God, yeah. Of uh, Chris Harris leaving uh, TNA to go to WWE and just showing up as this 
blob. Comple- completely different animal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to an extent, did his tag team partner do similar a few years later? I know there was some suggestions that Storm was, you know, using NXT to further, you know, feather his nest with TNA, but I didn't think Storm turned up in the best of shape in NXT. Um, so you've got to be, uh, you've got to be on it, folks. You've got to be looking sharp and looking to business. And while Chris Hero might have built up some credibility in the Indies, rightly so, because he's been a good wrestler in his time. At his age, at his stage in his career, he's overweight. He's not going to be able to move as much, and he actually wrestles a much lighter style. He doesn't wrestle a big man style. He wrestles as if he should be quite light on his feet. There's a little bit of the Rob Van Dam about him, you know, trying to wrestle like a cruiserweight even though he's bigger. Worked for Van Dam. I'm not. I don't think it really works for Hero at this or Cassius Ono uh, at this stage of his career. And I always think I've never had this confirmed to me, but I've always had the thought that Ono was probably supposed to get the Kevin Owens treatment because I don't think it's a coincidence that you got two KOs there. Maybe. I know. I know that Owens will say that you know his name is a tribute to Owen Hart and his son's called Owen and all that kind of stuff. But I suggested they said we want you to be KO, and he said, "Can I be Owen then?" Because I don't think you call someone Cassius Ono <laughs> with a K unless you're deliberately trying to no. go for that KO thing. So I You think may that, well be right on that one. I'm not saying it was the exact same character, you know, wanting to be portrayed, you know, the whole prize fighter thing or anything like that, because I think, you know, Kevin Owens is pretty close to Kevin Steen, but um, I think the whole presentation of the KO gimmick um, had Ono got over in the first instance, I think Kevin Steen might have been called, you know, Kevin something else, so... Uh, yes, um, moving on, um, if you're happy about the first couple of things. Um, anything to say on the uh, on the four-way women's match? I, I thought it was okay. I thought Ember Moon was yeah. the right choice, but it didn't stand out to me as being a great match. It was just okay. Yeah, agreed. I've got very little to say, to be honest, which is a shame because it's normally a highlight, isn't it, with the women? Um, you're right. I think the right person won. Um, yeah, that's all, really. Sometimes we look into wrestlers and you'll say, are they going to... I talked before about um, Alistair Black. Is he someone that can be translated onto the main roster? Could he be world champion one day? We looked at people like Bobby Roode. Are they ever going to make it? They have. Samoa Joe, they have. And then you, the next step is, are they going to be a world champ? Where are they going to figure in so many years' time? I look at someone like Nikki Cross and I think, do you know what? I don't ever see Nikki Cross being the women's champion. I don't even see her being the NXT women's champion. I don't see her being the Raw champion, the SmackDown champion. But I can see her working there in 10 years' time. Yeah, because she's I think such you're right. a good, believable, functional wrestler. She's no DB, isn't she? She just, yeah, kind of. But she's just, you, she's believable, isn't she? As being scrappy and nasty and yeah. And whatever. by the way, she can wrestle, folks. That's she. She shows a little bit more of a kind of you know, punch, kick, hair pull style because that's her gimmick with sanity, but she can wrestle, I've seen her. Um, I think that, you know, sometimes I look at wrestlers and think, you would fit so well in this particular area. It might not be what you want to hear, that you're not going to be a headliner, but, you know, I always think of someone like a Lance Storm, you know, that just had a perfectly good career, worked in a few different territories, got the gig in ECW, got the gig in WCW, got the gig in WWE, outside of a six-month period where he won a few titles in the dying WCW, was never a star, but he, he lived the life, he got paid very well, he was very good at what he did, he helped other people get on, and now he's a very good trainer, and Lance Storm is probably, you know, a better thing for the wrestling business than countless others that have been world champions but have faded away immediately, and um, if you 
if you're a Lance Storm, if you want a career now as a wrestler, as a 20-year-old, and you have a Lance Storm career, you've done bloody well. Um, and I think, I look at Nikki Cross and think, she could have a, uh, you know, a Victoria career. She could have a Molly Holly career. That's a good example, actually. Um, you know, she could have a, a Natalia career. I, I think, you know, that's, she's, I don't think she's ever going to be a, a megastar, but... I do think she's she's the one of all of them that I look at and think if I was hiring I'd hire her tomorrow mm, yeah the, the others have got something about them as well that you could work with but if I needed someone now I'd hire her as a, a, a real safe bet I remember when TNA did a do you remember when they did their shitty version of One Night Stand when they did their whatever they called their ECW reunion thing oh yes yeah well I, I remember them having a match and it was um, Two Cold Scorpio versus C.W. Anderson Right. And people were saying, oh, Scorpio's still in great shape. You could hire Scorpio, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, I would hire C.W. Anderson because he made Scorpio look amazing. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, Scorpio was good still, even in his 40s and stuff, he could go. But Anderson just would be a brilliant, not quite a jobber, but just there to lose, but there to lose convincingly. You know, I would, you, you want some more of those around, please. Just some people that are happy to just turn up and lose but lose and make the guy look great because they're really good wrestlers. And it's like, you know, there's been a few of those in history, like a... Um, do you know who strikes me as one of those kind of... Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton was never, ever going to be a megastar, was he? He had a bloody good career, did Bobby Eaton. But Bobby Eaton was so technically good. Well, there's a few, ba- like... Barry oh. Barry Windham. Barry Windham probably had a better career than... I would say Barry Windham was a star, but Hardcore was, Holly was another one. Yeah. I would, I would, that's not a bad shout at all. Just real functional wrestlers. What, Val Venus? Just, yes, to a degree. Did a really good job. You could have a good match with Val Venus. Al Snow. Elo there's Brown. A whole bu- there's, a whole, there's a whole bunch of those from that Attitude Era, which, you know, they're probably bigger stars because they happen to be lower down the pecking order, but during a great era. But, you know, they earn their position. There's reasons why that they had long careers and still knock around and, you know, do their work because they're just... You know, just they just do such a great job, and they, you know you need people like that. You can't, not everyone can be the the centre forward or the flashy winger. You need some That's defensive it. midfielders. Uh, right, on to my favourite match of the entire night. One of my favourite matches of the weekend: uh, Andrade Cien Almas versus Drew McIntyre. Um, I have never been a McIntyre guy. I respect how much he's fought back um, from his original stuff, but I didn't necessarily buy him as a megastar in TNA. I still don't really see him as a, a star now. I think he's done well with a limited amount in my opinion uh, Almas had always been a bit of a miss for me never really saw anything of him whatsoever I love this match yeah, I thought good, it was tremendously it? good and all the way during it I was thinking oh Almas is really starting to stand out here it's a shame that he's clearly just going to be a fodder to um, McIntyre because they're not going to have McIntyre drop the title yet and bugger me Almas won and I kind of and I reacted I went wow I was pleasantly surprised to see him win I like the gimmick I like I like, I, I love her. I think she's amazing, Zelina Vega. I like quite liked her when she was Rosita in TNA, but she was kind mm. of not really used. She was just, a, she was just kind of there. But oh my goodness, I love her character. I love that idea of someone that can, you know, she's not a manager, she's not a agent, she's not a valet, she's not a girlfriend. She's a sort of, I don't know, whatever she is, a th- I don't know, a therapist. <laughs> but it's just like she just brings the best out of him, and it's she's a difference maker. She's a difference maker, but also. I like the heel aspect of it because it's actually a babyface story that you know someone is 
you know, failing and someone else comes in and sorts them out and pushes them to the top. Except it's a heel act because she cheats. And it's like there's this kind of aspect to her that she thinks she's the great almighty because she's training him and changing his mental attitude. But actually she's cheating for him. You know, it's not they're not doing it on the up and up, so you so you dislike them for it. I think it's a great act. And I and I I love the hell out of the match. I thought it was tremendous. It it took me on a ride and I went from not believing that he could win to believing that he could win to going, wow, we won. Yeah. So I, 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 one of the best matches of the weekend. I enjoyed it immensely. I'm, I am a McIntyre fan. And I have been since he left WWE the first time. Didn't like him at all before that. Um, I think he's been absolutely wonderful. And um, I, th- I was ple- also pleasantly surprised by this match. I expected it to be the most non-entity of, a, of an NXT title match yet. Um, but it actually had a surprising outcome. Great match. And Almas could do something. I'm not sure that he will be... I'm, I just don't know. It's too early to say. Obviously, Drew McIntyre's reign goes down as the worst championship reign in NXT <laughs> history. Um, but I have a feeling that story's not quite over with either, unless they're just shooting him up to the main roster. If if so, way to derail his momentum. But Almas... Um, and that whole act have something and the key is the follow-up if if we assume that McIntyre is either out injured or going to the main roster where is the next challenge of uh, Almas and obviously the, the, the obvious answer is Alistair Black and if so that probably means that Almas is a mere transitional champion which is fine if he gets that over well um, but like I say we'll know more in the next couple of weeks uh, it is. What about uh, Gargano? Could they go to Gargano? No, they absolutely won't go to Gargano. He's he, Gargano is in the midst of a of a losing story. The the the, the storyline with him is he just can't get over the attack from uh, Champa, and okay. I think that'll that story will keep playing itself out until Champa comes back. Because bear in yeah, mind, he should be he in a few. Who, who did he lose to, to last time? He uh, I can't remember who lost to. He lost to Almas, didn't he? I think so. I think so. Well, just as you said that, yeah, I think he did actually. Just as you said that, I remembered having, us having this conversation before about him being on a on a, on a losing little run. It's um, it, it's a it's a clever little placeholder because by all rights he should be in the midst of that feud with Champa now, but he's obviously going to put that on hold because of the injury. So this this story about how he has been massively affected psychologically by the attack is quite interesting and unique and new. And then that'll play out when Champa comes back. Let's see how he reacts. Oh, I, I, I rather like that. I think that's a, uh, uh, a decent enough little, um, little story to go with. Mm. Um, what about, um, what about Roderick Strong? I know he's been in the in the main event, but uh, I think he's had um, his chance. I think he's had his, had his chance. chance. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's got a level, Roderick Strong. I think he, it, Bobby Roode was a natural opponent at the right time. He'd come in. He had some momentum. Um, I think maybe, I think maybe that's him really. Adam Cole's the other one who's I think on, yeah. on the list. But that's, think, but that's a heel, so yeah, exactly. I think I think I think the natural progression from here is um, Alistair Black, Adam Cole, and then who knows from there. Yeah. What about um, what about the Brits? Any chance that they could? Um, Every chance. Factor factor Pete down or someone in maybe. Every chance. If if they depending on what happens with the UK stuff, if they decided to go full bore on Pete with Pete Dunn as a member of the NXT roster, he'd be world he'd be NXT champion within nine months. Yeah. Um, he's he's lucky he out of a chance. Yeah, he's he's so good, and he could be so good up and down the NXT card or WWE main roster. 
Um, I think, yeah, if he, if, he, if he was putting that mix properly, he would be right at the top of that list. Good stuff. Um, we, I mentioned, uh, we mentioned Cole and um, Strong there. Just brings us on to the um, the final match, the War Games. Um, not War Games in its uh, purest form. Um, I actually liked some of the changes. Um, I thought it was way too long. Yeah. Uh, and, and I hate the... Um, you can't pin anyone until everyone's in because to me, why am I in the first bit interested in the match at all until everyone's in? Um, but generally, mm, I, that, gen- but go on. I generally liked it. I, I enjoyed watching it. I just remember getting to a point thinking, ah, I could end this now. I find that with songs. I find every now and again I quite like a song and it goes on for about four and a half, five minutes and I go, ah, I'm, I'm done with this. Two and a half minutes in, I'm done with this. Don't need a middle eight. Don't need to hear the chorus again. Next song. I'm a bit short short with my patience like that and I find that with matches and I thought actually just looking at the times of this the main event war games went on longer than the 10 man tag on Survivor Series yeah it did and, and that's wrong I, I, it wasn't it wasn't. It didn't need to be that long I enjoyed it and I'll tell you what I did enjoy I, I, I slightly differ from you with the war games portion before the match beyond starts I like it because it, it gives them an opportunity to tell stories about how they're softening individual guys up and strategy into that final stretch and I think what this match did with those shorter times and multiple men coming in at once was kind of ruin that um, I think it took that aspect away because there was what five minutes was the first period and three minutes was the second period I think and then three minutes for the next period after that so within ten minutes give or take everybody was in and um, I thought that took away from the stories I could tell in that aspect and after that it was kind of just a triple threat cage match really well that's all it was in actual fact it was just triple threat triple double man cage. It did. double cage it, yeah but there was barely that... ever used the barely ever used second cage well I don't know I, I like the idea that at some point someone sort of fought in a different place and ah, it was... um, they did a few moves on the middle of the cage there was a bit where they did a double tower of doom and Cole was in the middle they did a bit yes. where the um, uh, the authors of pain did their sort of back to back power slam thing um, there was there was on who did someone did a running jump and jumped over two ropes. I forget who that one did a springboard and went over two sets of ropes. It was no, I thought they, I thought there was a reasonable use it was, of the... it. Was it was okay? It was okay. Yeah. I, thought, I, I thought. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was a very good match. It wasn't War Games, but that's not to say it shouldn't. You know, it was a modern version of, and that's fine. If that's it wasn't abysmal. It, it wasn't a complete bastardization. And if that's what they're going to go with now, and that's what we're going to get, then fair dues. But. Um, I wasn't blown away with it. I just, I did really enjoy it, and I, I didn't mind the length so much. I thought my standout was probably Killian Dane. Yeah, I, like um, I think he's got a big future. Um, I always love the Authors of Pain. I'm a big fan of those guys. I love the fact that Roderick Strong came out in his Authors of Pain gear. Um, so yeah, and we've got to get the use out of those shark cages as well. Don't forget. <laughs> I had one problem with the, the, the gear, what you're saying about him being coming out in the gear. It made sense in, in, in isolation, but it made me think Shield ripoff. It didn't cross my mind for one second. It made me think him being dressed like them made me think of Angle being dressed like the Shield. And when you thought of the Shield, you thought actually Authors of Pain kind of looked like the Shield in didn't, terms of their, their gear. So. Didn't didn't cross my mind. I think they're completely different characters to the. They are different shield. characters. They are different characters, but I think their outfit is a bit too yes, similar. Yes, it's similar. You're right. It's very uh, similar. And I saw the outfit, and I saw the three man thing, and I just went, "Oh, poor man, shield." And and that's not what they want me to think. Okay, it's not what you thought at all. So I don't know which of us is the um, 
you know is the is the normal one here, and um, perhaps our listenership is split. Perhaps they're all agreeing with one of us. But um, I just I don't like when you think of another gimmick for whatever reason. Like do you know what when uh, you know the first time you saw say Batista and everyone chanting Goldberg or whatever it might be, it's that okay they're different, but make them look sufficiently yes. different so you don't think about the other one. And um, you know there are issues like that. Like American Alpha were way too similar to Kurt Angle and Hassan Benjamin, weren't they? Yes, they it were. Just, I know, they it's were. ironic, ironic where they've ended up going with Jason Jordan, but you saw American Alpha and you just thought of Team Angle, and it's like, I, I don't think you want to do that too often because the second version is never going to be as good. Um, and it's why I start to look at people like Killian Dane and a few others, and I want to go, lads, lose the beard. Because it's so Wyatt, you know, so gone now. We've everyone's got this bloody great beard, you know, like the, like the Wyatts. And there's so many of them knocking around the Indies, and I just think, oh, get rid of it. Yeah. It's like it actually works for Dane. It's a shame because it works for Dane. If we, if you'd never heard of Bray Wyatt, you'd go, God, Killian Dane looks a badass with his big beard and stuff. But I just think so many people have got them now. Like even even Big Dave, who we had on the podcast. You know, one of my favourite ever podcasts that we've done. I love Dave Mastiff. I think he's an unbelievably good wrestler. Great talent. Great to watch close up. But even he, I think, I think he's pretty scary without the beard. I'm not sure he really needs the big. I just look at the big beard and go Wyatt. And I think it's easier to easy to get mixed up in that kind of thing. I want people to try and be a wee bit different. And I think that's what NXT's for. So I think it's the right time, maybe, if you're going to try and tweak something, just to try it out and see if it works. I'd love to see Damo with a slightly different look that didn't make me think Wyatt, because it's what it makes me think. But yeah, um, the whole thing, that's the whole thing with Sanity, really. I think Sanity is a bit, it's a, just another Wyatt family, really. It's just big, you know, big, scary bastards, you know, with beards and that are a bit unhinged. And I, I think it's just a wee bit similar. But I do think it's a, I think it's an NXT gimmick. I don't really see them getting called up on mass. I might be wrong, but mm, I think at... I think you are wrong. I think we'll see them come up together. Yeah, I think I don't see Eric Young being convincing enough. As a, I could see maybe the other two. Um, I've forgotten Killian. I've forgotten the other the other lad's name now. The German Alexander. Wolf. Um, Alexander Wolf. Yeah. Yeah, I could see the, the the them as a pair possibly. I quite I'd quite like to see Wolf with Luke Harper. <laughs> Turn about the Wyatts. I think <laughs> Wolf has got Wolf has got that sort of otherworldly look in his eyes that Harper's got. I'd quite like to see those two together. I could see it. I could definitely see those there, there being some sort of crossover between those guys. God help the Bludgeons need some help, don't they? Indeed. <laughs> I've just got, this is a random thing to um uh, to sort of end this uh, section with. Do you know that um. Every now and again, you see someone with a uh, a fancy name, and then you find out something different. I recall Levi Roots being on Dragon's Den, and they said, "What's your real name?" And he said, "Keith." Um, <laughs> but uh, Leo Rush, you've heard of Leo Rush yep. from NXT, who yep. sort of came to fame a little while ago when he gave Emma some stick on Twitter, and people told him to get in his uh, back in his box. Leo Rush, what a great name! L I O, and then Rush. Everyone thinks about what the you know, surname, don't they? Rushing around and Leo like a lion. Do you know what his real name is? Go on. Lionel Green it's not quite as exciting <laughs> is it alright Lionel anyway uh, sorry Love to it. any li- sorry to any Lionels listening but uh, I'm not, you know you can't tell me that Lionel is a uh, I know Lionel Messi is called Lionel but it's uh, so it's still not a cool name I'm afraid 
Um, and yeah. uh, P- Pete Dunn is called Peter England. What a great name for this. Is that someone right? That's, someone that's flying our flag is uh, is called England. I rather like that. Um, but anyway, um, let's um, let's wrap our discussion up. Um, we um, we've talked about the the difficulties in seeing who comes through with the NXT, who's next on the line, or that kind of thing. Um, do you see NXT ploughing the same furrow um, over the next year or so? Do they do the sort of four or five takeovers exactly the same as they've been doing? Will they change their strategy? Oh, 100%. In fact, it's been solidified this week. WWE have released their pay-per-view schedule for 2018, if you saw that. And they've actually moved um, Money in the Bank into being a cross-band pay-per-view, which is going to be a four-hour show in itself. So they've actually put now five pay-per-views per year as cross-brand four-hour pay-per-views and they're going to be the ones that get the takeovers so yes you're going to get five takeovers where you get these themed weekends so you're going to get the takeover pay-per-view raw smackdown five times a year and so that that's not going to change at all okay um, i think of all the ones to pick to um to to level up as it were i think that's the right one yep agreed think, timing wise think... and everything else I think money in the bank as a concept is aging. I think there's only so many ways you can go with the whole briefcase angle, but um, the match is over. Um, so I think it kind of makes sense as being the uh, as the one to do it with. Um, I kind of like they're not going to do it because it's where it is in terms of between the Rumble and uh, WrestleMania, but I'd kind of like to see it be Elimination Chamber. I still get a real kick out of the chamber, but... Uh, um, it kind of makes sense where it is, doesn't it? So uh, it does. you don't really want to have th- three consecutive big shows, as it were. So um, uh, it probably makes uh, a lot of sense. That's a good question for the uh, f- for a future sheep quiz. Is uh, if you could only keep one more sort of gimmick pay per view, which one would you keep, or um, which one would you promote, or something like that? There's a there's a question in there, I'm sure. Yep, agreed. That'll be for another time, my friend, because tonight it, it's bedtime. It is. I think the energy, you can see that you can feel the energy seeping out of the two of us, and uh, <laughs> we're getting the uh, the sign to go home. At least I can talk this week and not be able to suffer too much of the consequences uh, as we go. Um, so thank you very much for uh, for joining us this week. It's been uh, quite the hodgepodge. Um, we intended to come on and basically just talk about Survivor Series, and we've ended up doing sheep quizzes, and we've ended up doing plugs, and we've ended up doing a bit of Royal Rumble and WrestleMania chat, NXT... Um, and even some talks about equality in the 21st century. There really is uh, all, so- all sorts of things on this podcast. Um, but thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back next week uh, in which we'll um, do some follow-up on the uh, the sheep quiz and pick up on any, uh, on any news as it's ongoing. And as mentioned earlier on in the podcast, our endeavour is to try and uh, bring a few more guests on. It's been... Uh, I've- I think it's been quite fun just with uh, me and Paul over the last little while, but uh, um, it's still good to get some different voices in, and particularly as we get uh, back towards the Rumble, um, we'll introduce a few more guests and a few more different voices onto the show to uh, uh, to bring their thoughts to the table uh, in terms of their uh, thoughts for the future, and we'll um, we'll also try and find some uh, uh, some other cool little games to add in to keep things fresh. So uh, don't forget to go and look for your. Uh, tickets to not only Wrestle Kingdom but for the Royal Rumble which are now out there remember the early bird prices uh, only apply for a certain amount of time so make sure you take advantage and Paul what's the website people need to go to if they want to purchase they can go to ringsideworld.co.uk or they can go to hookedonevents.co.uk they can indeed and for uh, for your sheep entries 
uh, best to go to our Facebook page uh, and uh, look at all the info from there. We'd love to get your uh, uh, your answers in and to gradually build this competition. I think it's been a success so far, and we want to see more of it. So, uh, Paul, any uh, any final words for the people this week? Only that I've just realised I've been complete autopilot with the plugging there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm just so used to it. No, it's all good. Um, it's been a really good podcast, mate. Good to have you back on form. Um, I always like these post-pay-per-view ones when there's plenty to talk about, especially when we can throw an NXT into the mix as well. Um, so next week, let's 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 get it known in advance. To, I'm going to be bitchy, Paul, next week. Dean Ambrose is in my sights. Oh wow, that's a, that's a, what a, what a tease to, uh, <laughs> to, to to next week is uh, Dean Ambrose is in Paul's sights. Uh, okay, well, I just um, I think all it remains for us to say is uh, that that's it from the uh, the Hooked On podcast for this week. Remember, it's wrestling. Enjoy it. And uh, here to sing us out is showbiz, showbiz Paul Benson with his version <laughs> of Michelle McCool's theme. On you go, Paul. <laughs> Spend my days working hard on the go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe I should have given you a little bit more time to practice that one. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, until next time, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, this is Rob and Paul saying it's wrestling. Enjoy it. We'll see you very soon.